0: This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Patodre for free on match days, Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round. Come and join them in Aberdeen's biggest and best beer garden. And even better, head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod. For a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Come on you Reds!
1: Well, foot there. Yeah! For
0: It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 56 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, as always, it's Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele, gents.
2: How's it going? Good, thank you. All good here. I've got Simpsons and locked in the chamber, ready to go and talk about the glorious victory over the buddies. Absolutely. Let's get started on that one. In a week... That saw Sevco
0: take one small step out of the Champions League. No laughing at the back there, Graham, I see you. That saw Declan Gallagher, Declan Gallagher himself all over Potaudry and saw Alex Cochran suffer the Jamie Langfield chip treatment at Easter Road. It's a jam-packed week on the ABZFP as we take a look back at our aforementioned 4-1 victory over St Mirren in the SPFL Premiership on Saturday. We take a look back at all the news from AB24 this week, along with our regular loan watch and review of the women's team as they kicked off their Premier League campaign at Hamilton. We preview next Saturday's visit of Motherwell to Patodre in the company of Pepe from the MFC podcast. And after the break, it's the return of our series of interviews with Don's personalities of past and present. This time, we bring you part one of our chat with a man who signed for the Dons in June 2005, scoring on his debut at Tanadice, loves a vest, Going on to make 125 appearances in the famous red shirt, scoring 21 times, it's Barry Nicholson. But first, Aberdeen 4, Mirren 1, SPFL Premiership, the home of Football Pottery Stadium, Saturday, the 6th of August 2022. Jim Goodwin making one change from the starting 11 that was beaten at Celtic Park the week prior. Liam Scales coming back into the side in place of Dante Polvara. Scale slotting back in at left centre half alongside Anthony Stewart, releasing Ross McCrory back to his more natural centre midfield spot alongside Ilber Ramadani. New loan signing Jim Leighton Clarkson finding himself on the bench despite only signing at 11.30 in the morning. And the Liverpool youngster not having met his teammates until the pre-match meal. Conor McLennan. And Liam Harvey dropping out of the matchday squad completely. Former Dons, Curtis Mayne and Declan Gallagher both in the visitors starting lineup, looking to get their season up and running after defeat to Muddle last time out. And a scrappy opening saw both sides struggling to get a foot on the ball. Before Ilber Ramadani had the first effort of the game on eight minutes, his left-footed effort rising over the bar from distance. Declan Gallagher found himself in Alan Muir's book a couple of minutes later, a horrendous scythe on Hayden Coulson on the Dons' left flank, which meant the Borough required significant treatment before eventually having to be withdrawn with Leighton Clarkson taking to the field to make his Aberdeen debut. Colson later spotted on crutches and with a protective boot on his ankle after what looked like a right sore one more to come on that injury later in the week. The Dons forced to rejig themselves somewhat after that injury to Colson. Clarkson coming into the centre of the park alongside Ramadani. McCrory shuffling back into defence and Liam Scales taking up the left back position. Clarkson... Quickly into the action, an early sighted on goal from 25 yards, swerving wide in the 15th minute before a Matty Kennedy free kick on 18 minutes was straight into the arms of Trevor Carson in the Saints' goal. St. Mirren threatened on the break shortly afterwards. Main's cross pushed out into the box by Roos, and Ramadani did expertly well to nip the ball off Ayunga's toes as he looked certain to score. But the Dons finally got the breakthrough in 22 minutes. Some good build-up play saw the ball eventually land with Vicente Bajowin, his curling effort from outside the box smashed off the post and into the path of Liam Scales. Quite what he was doing that for at the park at this moment in time, I haven't figured out, but never mind. His goal-bound effort stopped by uh, Gallagher's hand. The referee had no option but to award a penalty kick and give Gallagher a yellow <laughs> yellow card. And the centre-back took the short walk off the pitch, much to the delight of the home support. Bojan Miofsky stepped up, smashed home the penalty to get the Dons up and running. The Dons beginning to start to turn the screw on the visitors after this. A Scales header from a Kennedy cross drifting wide before Scales again nearly scored from a Kennedy corner, his header just flashing wide at the post. The Dons did make it two on 37 minutes. A deflected Hayes cross found its way into the box and with everyone standing waiting, Bojan Miofsky nipped in front of Carson to prod home from close range. A proper striker's goal with the Macedonian now. Two goals in two games in the league. Three in, three in total. And just on half time, the Dons put themselves on easy street. Miofsky played in by Hayes. And after turning Charles Dunn inside out and back again, Carson just managed to get in front of him to deny the number nine a first half hat-trick. But the ball ran loose to Matt Kennedy, who played an inch-perfect pass into the path of Leighton Clarkson. And wee Jimbo smashed his first-time effort from 25 yards into the roof of the net with Carson helpless and the Dons flying. Halftime, 3-0 Aberdeen, and Gary's 7-0 prediction looked very much on. That's all I'm going to say. Curtis Mayne replaced by the visitors at halftime by Flynn, but it was Aberdeen who continued to come forward, Miofsky and Bajau enforcing stops from Carson before the visitors cleared and found themselves back in the game in the most fortuitous of circumstances. Referee Muir deciding to award a penalty kick after a fairly innocuous, I think that's being very polite, coming together between Johnny Hayes and Greg Kilty. younger stepped up, put the penalty away, despite the best efforts of Roos, who could only force the ball up and into the net. Aberdeen, though, refused to panic. Miofsky should have had a hat-trick on the hour mark and delightfully weighted through ball from scales, was inch perfect. And as the Macedonian waited for the ball to come onto his right foot, Carson was able to smother, f- and from the recycled possession, Bajewan's fierce effort was blocked by Carson. Again, the Dons making their first change of the game, not the first change of the game. Second change of the game. On 63 minutes, Kyle Roberts making his pathologic bow in place of Matty Kennedy before a double swap 10 minutes later saw CR99 and Duke come on in place of Miofsky and Johnny Hayes. Vicente Pajan had the header from a Jaden Richardson cross well stopped only 75 minutes before Kyle Roberts was forced from the pitch with injury leaving the Dons with 10 men for the remaining 10 minutes. The Dons though made sure of all three points on 87 minutes. Some good build-up play out from the back between Stuart and Ramadani saw the ball played to... I was going to say Ronaldo. What am I doing? To Ramirez, who took a fine first touch and his second was just as good, threading the ball in for Duke, who timed his run to perfection before racing on to clip the ball over the onrushing Carson for his first goal for the Dons, ensuring some fine scenes of celebration in the Red Shed. If it was you that somersaulted or took a tumble down the sheeting in the Red Shed. Come and see us in Siberia. Your juice would would you a pint for that one. That was spectacular stuff. Well done, you. Scales nearly getting his goal on. Scales, sorry, nearly getting a goal in the last minute, rising well again to meet a Basham and Cross, but Carson saved comfortably. But that was that. The Don's winning it comfortably in the end to get the league campaign up and running. Hashtag data. Don's 75% possession to 25 for the visitors. An expected goals of 3.37 for the Dons, 23 shots to St. Minnan's 6 of which were on target. Seven big chances created to one for St. Minnan, which was the penalty kick.
3: Gents, your thoughts on that one? It's really, really encouraging, isn't it? I mean, we were saying, at so this time last week, it was going to lose to Celtic, but it wasn't really, in my opinion, in a way, a barometer of whether we're any better or worse from last season. This was almost the, the start of the so the period where you can really, I think, judge everyone involved to in the club, the players, the management, the recruitment. um And to get the three points is important, but to score a few goals, miss a few chances, actually an exciting game of football where we were all champ before last season. I know we gave them a bit of a pacing at home as well, but in general terms, teams that came in to sit in and be stuffy we had nothing because all we could do was pass the ball from side to side and we would have, feel like we would have really floundered last season. Um, so really, really good to get sort of off the mark. Good to get a decent crowd in Audrey as well. And hopefully, you know, it's not that you're not going to get that sort of style and those results week in, week out. But first home game, I think it was really important just to try and sort of set the tone and get everyone on board and hopefully we can build up a bit of a head of, Head of steam here. There'll be blips along the way, but hopefully they're few and far between. And when they come, I'm kind of hoping we're, you know, maybe we've been in a good run of form. Fans are on board with the uh, the team, so that you know it's okay. You maybe you might drop drop points here and there, but you do fine. You move on, and everyone's behind behind the team again. So really, really encouraging, and uh,
2: definitely be up for seeing a lot more of that this season. What a difference a few months makes. I mean. I remember how we were all feeling ahead of the Sintmanin game, the last game of the season. Nothing to play for. Considine's farewell, that was it. We were all just thinking ourselves, oh, let's just get through this and look forward to next season, hopefully. I mean, I hope that there's not too many results at Petology that are mirrored from last season, but I'm more than happy with taking another Fort One scudding off of Sintmanin. And the manner we did it was very pleasing. And I'm not going to lie, I took great pleasure in young Declan taking that yeah. wee... Uh, Early bath um, I don't think I've enjoyed An opposition blur Getting set off As much in my life That might tell you What I think about Declan Gallagher
0: Well I just spoke about like, well, It's going to come up Later on in, in the podcast To talk about the preview Of the Mother game With Pepe from the MFC podcast But we kind of talked about it there It's like I don't really Have a massive issue With players when they Leave Aberdeen Unless they go to A certain club Who play in Glasgow And wear blue Um, As long as players Don't leave the club And like have a dig on the way out I generally don't really Care too much And I'll generally wish Them all the best In their career um, but like Gallagher had that little dig as well On the way out the whole like Oh yeah, I've got Scotland Cup So that doesn't mean I can't play for Aberdeen It's like you're Fucking horrendous mate For a whole season You can't play for Aberdeen You're not good enough And so they're pretty good impression of Declan Gallagher by the way Thank you That was because that was I was swinging my baseball bat While I was doing it I imagine um, You know like Fuck you mate Like sorry I, mean, I was going to come it later on But we might as well do it now I mean he could have gone When you watch back the highlights He could have gone actually For the foul and Coulson it's a bad, bad foul.
3: It's really not a. It's not a smart tackle. Is it's not a good look that at all. Because he, I mean, he knows what he's doing.
0: He knows exactly what he's doing. It's over the top of the ball. It's right in the ankle.
3: Yeah, I think he's he's fortunate that he was around to then fuck it up a few minutes later and get himself sent off properly. <laughs>
2: yeah, there's a there's a disregard for a fellow professional that I, I'm not surprised goes with Declan Gallagher.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess. Uh, do we need to try and make sure we don't get too far ahead of ourselves here after that result yesterday?
2: Hey, after last season, I think we're entitled to this.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree. But let's let's have a modicum of, like, you know, um, the sensibility bits for at
2: least a few minutes. Even with a full lineup, they were playing with about 10 and a half men. So, uh, yes, I mean, <laughs> except men and are going to struggle this season. I have no issue in saying that right about now. <laughs> the opening 10-15 minutes was a little bit ropey. I mean, Jim Gooden kind of admitted that as well. He wasn't happy with it. I don't really feel that was down to Sitman as much as it was down to ourselves though I think that was just us maybe some uh, glitches in the matrix there <laughs> um, some, uh, some PTSD some uh, bugs that are still there from last season rearing their ugly head again but hey at least we came through that and we didn't actually concede um, aided Straight. and abetted by the fact that you know it's Curtis Main that was leading the line for Sitman when that guy's through on goal I've seen this one before, no danger
3: it's fair enough to sort of keep our feet in the the ground. There is a long way to go. It's only one game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it was it was enjoyable. So it, you know, it gives me hope for the season that you know, if you can get performances like that, then it's going to be it's going to be much more enjoyable to watch than it has been for well, realistically, the last two, three, four seasons potentially, depending on your your view of what constitutes excitement. But yeah. Yeah, I just feel like you've got a better chance of winning games if you're if you're going to be taking that sort of approach. Now I know he won't always have that approach to games and you know we'll see how the season plays out because I, I personally expect him to be a little bit maybe cautious when I maybe don't want him to be, but it's a good start. And like Gavin said, that sort of 10-15 minute period, you're not gonna control the game for 90 minutes, and let's not forget just the volume of signings that he's trying to integrate. I mean he's it's, it's give or take a brand new eleven. That are trying to play together, so to yeah, be putting in yeah. performances like like they have done to the League Cup and and then uh, yesterday is encouraging. That I guess you've got two things: you've got the guys need to sort of learn each other's game, etc. But I think anyone who's probably played in a team would be able to say like if if you're good footballers, that's a lot easier. So I'm kind of hoping that this means we've got at least if not everyone, you know, a good sort of nucleus of just good players that understand how the game should be played and they can kind of feed off each other, even though they don't know each other that well. You'd, you'd hope that you would just improve on that as the as the season goes on.
2: Now, I mean, jokes aside, I mean, with the exception of the Sterling Albion game, we have, generally speaking, started games quite slowly this season. Um, Obviously, that cost us against Celtic. It could have cost us against Wraith Rovers. Um, yeah, if St. Mineran take a chance... We're back in a very familiar feeling from last season, uh, being up against it, being behind early doors. And as Graham says, they all just shut up shop and make things difficult for us. Um, so yeah, that is something we do need to address, certainly.
0: Yeah, I think as well, I mean, the other part to this as well is that Graham's right, you know, it's a it's a still a new team gelling together. What better way? It doesn't really matter how the result comes about. It doesn't matter if you're playing 10 men. To get a 4-1 win off the bat in the league at home, will build confidence in the team as well as, as they're starting to come together that there's a really good unit in there and a really good squad, hopefully, in there. And, and that's not going to help. It's not going to hinder us, sorry, should I say, winning a game four one at home. It doesn't matter if you're playing 10 men. And we all know sometimes playing against 10 men as well can be really, really difficult. Um, I thought we did a really, really professional job on things when it went to 10 men yesterday. We were totally in control of the game throughout, despite even the penalty kick being awarded to St. And I, I you know I never felt at any point in St. Men really going to come back into the game any point we maybe took the foot off the gas a little bit second half which was potentially a little bit disappointing I would have liked to have seen us really keep at them but even when you say that I mean Miofsky could have had two Benjamin could have had a couple in the second half Duke scores scales maybe could have scored as well at the back end so we still were creating chances fairly reasonably I mean let's just talk about Leighton Clarkson though um I plan to do a whole minute about Leighton Clarkson but there seems to be a little point now because we've all actually been able to see him in the flesh, so we've all, you know, been able to get eyes on him. I think it was like a bit of a surprising move when it was announced on Saturday morning. I mean, we had the tip on Friday that there was something going to happen. Seems that they ran out of time a little bit getting it finalised. I think the three of us would probably look at this at the times and say so it was maybe not necessarily a position we needed to fill. Um, but after that display, it's hard not to be enthused about this kid. 20 years old, been with the Liverpool Academy since he was six. And uh, England, the 20 international, made his first team debut for Liverpool in February 2020 against uh, Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup before he then got a start and played the full 90 minutes in the Champions League for Liverpool. Uh, in a 1-1 draw with uh, Midgetland in Denmark. Had a loan spell with Blackburn Rovers in the championship last season. Made seven appearances there before his loan was cut short in January 2022 with a lack of game time. With Blackburn being cited. Tony Mowbray now this is interesting I wonder if this is where this has come around potentially Tony Mowbray at the time who's obviously Blackburn manager basically said he couldn't get him in the team because Blackburn were basically doing so well at this point which they were this is at the point that Ryan Hedges joined Blackburn There was a lot of chat that Blackburn could be pushing to get Premier League and basically Tony Mowbray was like I can't break up my midfield that's doing really well the kids but he basically came out and said the, the kid's amazing really good technical abilities excellent technical capabilities at seeing patterns of play etc etc now obviously Tony Mowbray's brother is Darren the lesser spotted Darren Mowbray obviously and I mean not a bad debut eh I mean when the player was tipped to us I I had big worries this was going to be Matty Longstaff version 2.0 but no danger of that the bigger concern now is going to be how we shoehorn Baron Clarkson McCrory and Ramadani into the two slots in the defensive midfield areas
3: You'd probably rather have that problem than at times last season where you're looking at the the lineup and you're like, I don't want any of those guys near the team.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whereas
3: now True. you know, I'm sure over the course of the season we will all disagree between us maybe who should be playing, but it's probably not I don't want that guy near. It's just, oh, I think that guy's a little bit better than that other guy who's also really quite good. It's all it's all It's a long way to go. It's really encouraging. And I'm always a little bit um I mean, Longstaff long is the best example of oh, best league in the world. You get one of their players, and it turns out to be absolutely dis- disgusting. So pinch of salt sometimes when you <laughs> sign someone from the Premier League. But so far, that's obviously really encouraging. I think more importantly, sort of longer term, if you, you know, I think how, how are we going to ever push on as a club? It's going to be bringing through our own players and selling them, or maybe getting say like a, a Miofsky. Danny, something like that. getting him before no one really knows about him. Maybe putting a little bit of money in. Hopefully, you can punt them on. But on the reverse of that, if you can maybe like to Liverpool or some of the bigger clubs with better youth players, if you can build up some sort of reputation for taking them up, you're playing a decent style of football. They'll get games. They'll get to learn. You know, obviously, we're benefiting from having Madison, for example. You know, you, you kind of want to be almost like the default team in Scotland that if if English clubs, bigger English clubs have got guys on the on the fringes that might be about to break through, you want them to be looking for loan and you want them to say, right, okay, let's put them to Aberdeen, they'll get looked after, they've got decent facilities now. Hopefully we push on, you know, this time next year, we're talking about European football. All of that makes you a lot more attractive to the player as well as the club. So if you start to to attract a couple of guys like that, and hopefully supplement it with the uh, recruitment work we can do ourselves. You know, the future is starting to look a little bit
2: brighter than it maybe had been. Well, I mean, first things first. I mean, when the signing was announced, it is one of those where you're looking at it as kind of like a low-risk transfer from Aberdeen's perspective of giving us a bit more depth and a bit more strength in an area of the field. That's no complaint whatsoever from me. It almost... Because we've got McCrory and Ramadani and they've done so well, and we've got Connor Barron, who is, you know, so highly regarded by the club to then bring in Leighton Clarkson at the age he is in that position. And that Leighton Clarkson who has not played much football at senior level. He needs game time. You don't know if there's any kind of pressure on us from Liverpool of how how much he has to play for this deal to, you know, work out for us from a financial perspective. So that one, that was interesting to me. Um, how very, very typical that, yeah, of course, Hayden Coulson goes off injured. <laughs> Liam Scales, the optimum left-sided centre-back that we've met. Jim Goodwin, in a way, has put himself on the line with a section of the support to bring in. Goes to left-back, where, by the way, he looks ace. He did really well. We'll come out the Scales later. Yeah. Ross McCrory, who we've all been talking about all summer. Yep, let's get him back in his natural position. Let's let him flourish there. Back to centre-half. Looked really good. And now Leighton Clarkson off the back of that performance, how can you not play him? And yeah, when it comes to the point, I mean, yeah, we all have the same reservation when we signed uh, Leighton Clarkson from Liverpool. But what I would say is that when it comes to the Matty Longstaff comparison, there is probably a big difference between someone who's come through Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool and, you know, Steve Bruce's Newcastle. So (laughs) it's a very fair point. It did not surprise me just how good he was. All I'll say, wrap up is like, Jurgen Klopp, don't you even dare. Don't you even dare fuck this up again. <laughs> the interesting part, though, Graham touched on it there about
0: you know looking at developing relationships. Jim Goodwin, I think, spoke about this in the transfer in- when the transfer was announced, saying that basically you know thanks Liverpool for making it happen, blah blah. blah. And there was very much a kind of you know we hope that they can see that this is a good place for players to come develop. So it did seem as though we were trying to put a bit of a hook in there to to Liverpool to say like you know we can we can look after some of your players if they come north and and see what we can do with them. This also ties into something we. Heard earlier in the week, Graham, um In in our, our meeting um, With somebody Where they talked about how respectful Liverpool Had been to us in the Calvin Ramsey negotiations yeah. um, In terms of not Really dicking about too much In terms of fees or any of that kind of stuff I think they were very aware of what this meant To Abney Football Club, the kind of size of transfer fee That we were getting in and they didn't try to kind of shortchange Us or anything like that So I wonder if we have built up a level of um,
3: I would hope there's a bit of well. Stuff. Uh, yeah, um, I was going to say that. I think that was encouraging to hear because clearly the balance of power was obviously with Liverpool. You've got a young man who presumably wants to go and is getting, uh, not that way he gets is any of my business, but I imagine it's an absolute game changer from what we were paying him and probably ever could offer him. Um, you've got a club with almost limitless resources compared to us. It's, so it's a, it, Well, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a drop in the ocean for them, whether it became four, five, six, eight million. It's still irrelevant and peanuts. But it is quite nice to hear that they weren't being dicks about it. And that's definitely not always the way it works out. But you would, yeah, you would hope, even if it's maybe the way the club conducted itself, doing those negotiations, you build up a bit of a mutual sort of trust, or you can see that there's some sort of two way relationship that could, could exist rather than just being. Uh, yeah, uh, a place where you you sell the odd player, clubs might hopefully look as well these guys are decent to deal with. They'll look after our players. They'll give them games, and actually, you know, all jokes aside, the league is competitive, and these guys can actually develop more playing for Aberdeen for a year than you know, like seven times for Blackburn, for example.
0: Exactly. Absolutely um that's probably enough about Leighton Clarkson think like I think he did fantastically well considering like I say he, the deal only went through formally in the morning only met his teammates at, at the uh, pre-match meal etc I mean obviously again context is important there were 10 men in, so there was potentially a lot more time in the ball for him but he looked very very sharp with the ball at his feet looked, played with his head up which is just something I love to watch from him as a midfielder um not scared to have a dig it's a fucking wonderful hit it's just, i mean we gav you and i we were right behind it in the red shed
2: as soon as it yeah. left his boot you knew it was in um well i mean glorious. moments before with the memory of his slice that went <laughs> the corner flag my thinking of oh mate come on no oh oh that's a worldie um yeah what a, what a debut absolutely not 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 a bad one that's let's put it that way um
0: other notable performances, though, Yes, I thought. I mean, I thought Boyan Mijofsky had a good game leading the line. He should have had three or four, if we're being brutally honest. Um, he probably should score, actually, in the lead-up to the um, to Clarkson's goal. He probably should have had a couple in the second half as well. Um, very, very encouraged, though, just to see him starting to now, I think, get to grips with playing. It was a difficult shift for him last week at Celtic Park. he got no service. Very hard to lead the line when you're not getting any touches on the ball, but good to see him get off the mark, two goals and two now in the league, which is
2: always good for a striker. Looking sharper, looking yeah. you know, like he's got a bit more pace than maybe we expected. And yeah, he maybe, yeah, he could easily have had five goals, but there are three goals, there are three attempts that he, you know, he plays a big part in making those opportunities for himself. So he does. And the second goal is a proper striker's goal. It's a
0: proper number nines, finishers, poachers goal, which is not necessarily, I don't think the thing we would expect to see from him as well, you know, from his, show reels before we signed him it looked like a player who could create stuff out of three balls and on to nothing. It's a proper striker's finish. Love it. Love it. Instinctive striking. Elba Ramadani, like, I feel really bad. He didn't make it into our our four choices last uh, yesterday afternoon for Top on in the pool. But he had a great game yesterday, Elba Ramadani, didn't he? I thought he was fantastic in the set in the park. He reminds me, somebody mentioned it online, I can't remember who it was. He reminds me a little bit of Brian Grant in that I don't think he's going to grab a headlines every week. He's not, going to, he's not flashy with what he does, but what he does do, if you know the game, if you've watched a lot of football, if you understand how football
2: works, he's a solid 7 out of 10 every week. Fucking superb. I think that's what we've said so far from seeing him, what Aaron told us about him. That's probably the reason why, in the immediate aftermath, you know, when the full-time whistle's going, you're asking me my thoughts on Man of the Match, he probably just yeah slips your mind. Uh, just consistent um, such awareness on the ball such awareness off the ball as well mops up dangerous situations looks like a really really good team player as well yeah we're gonna talk with them um, by Nicholson later and we mentioned how Jimmy brought in characters to be good in the dressing room. like I mean he no one is happier with, when Duke scores than Ilbo Ramadani and these two must have these two must know each other for like three weeks time yeah yeah you know really helps Leighton Clarkson through the game. Yeah. He is just looking like more and more of a gem with every passing game. Yeah. Love him.
0: Completely agree on that one. And I think as well, it went unnoticed, I think, last week at Celtic Park because it wasn't a great performance across the board by any stretch of the imagination. But Ramadani last week at Celtic Park, he ran some like daff like twelve and a half, thirteen kilometers in the game. Like he absolutely put in a shift. A lot of that was chasing people, obviously, because there was a lot of that going on last week. But even that in itself shows you the level of fitness that the guy's got to be able to do that. you know. And I think you saw yesterday, you're right as well, with with Clarkson coming on, he made sure he was always available for a pass off of Clarkson. Whenever Clarkson had the ball, whether Clarkson used him or not, he was always available for the young lad to have to pass it off to if he didn't really want to. So, And,
2: and Ramada is only, what, 25, 26? He's in and around that area, yeah.
0: He's not old, old, but he has that game experience, I think, to almost be one of the senior statesmen in the team already which in itself is very very encouraging Anthony Stewart I thought had a good game again yesterday didn't have an awful lot to do but what he had to do did it well my only concern a little bit with Anthony Stewart still there's a couple of times we've clearly decided we're going to try and play out from the back um, where we can there was a couple of slack passes that potentially could have gotten into trouble if we'd been playing a a better outfit yesterday I thought from Stewart but on the whole another solid performance from our new captain
3: I think the, the playing out from the back I think it's just a risk you're just going to have to live with it, if that's the way we're going to set ourselves up. I know sometimes it's a bit uh, that you're sort of watching it behind the, the sofa. It was a scary film-type moment where you're hiding, but it's just what you're going to get this season. And, yeah, probably sometimes that will come back and bite us, but you'd hope more often than not, playing out from the back and building a period of play, you'll, get more, you'll score more goals from doing that than you will just by shelling it up the pitch and handing it back
2: there are times you can probably look at it and think we could be a little bit more economical with our play in those situations, but there's a reason why basically every top team plays out from the back and it's because of the percentages and the opportunity to actually create chances rather than, as Graham says, if you shell it to like the sit and back three, they're all giants. They're probably going to win the ball and, you know, pressure just comes back to you. Um, Yeah. We just have to accept it. But Anthony, sure, you know, against um, Curtis Main and his, overly developed deltoids i thought he handled him <laughs> very very well and um a Yunga's a big lad as well he did well uh, so you know what big lad pace power um handled he him caused well the back line last week a lot of trouble a
0: younger so i didn't go in massive worried about him but i was like he is a threat and handled it really well yeah absolutely I think as well, this is potentially one of the benefits from Stuart playing like League One Championship football is that he's not gonna, be, it's not gonna be unusual to him to play against his big brutes playing up top. This is not going to be some sort of like weird thing
2: for him. I mean, the guy's played Akinfenwa one training for however many years. Well, that's a very good point. Um, and I was just going to say, what I admired though was there was a couple of ropey
0: moments with the passing out from the back, but we still continued to do it. We weren't scared to keep trying it. And the fourth goal. Comes from Stewart picking a pass out to Ramadani up the middle of the park. Ramadani turns, plays it up to Ramirez, and then off we go. And we get a goal from trying to play out from the back. Excellent stuff. Ross McCrory, I thought, again, had another really good game when he was shifted back at the centre defence. It's now starting to lead to more questions again about whether actually centre half might be Ross McCrory's best position. When we spoke to Ross at the end of last season, when we presented him with his AB's NFP
2: Player of the Year award, he kind of even said that he really enjoyed playing there and thought he was really developing a good centre half. It just comes back to that question. How do you fit so many very, very good players into uh, a sport that only allows you to have 11 people on the pitch at one time? Um, Hayden Coulson from the chat from Goodwin, that it looks like a bad injury. Get the MRI, we'll see the extent of it. But I've said before, like, I, I don't personally think you can really depend on Jack McKenzie to stay fit. Liam Scales looked really, really good at left back. So, hey, maybe we have the... Uh, we have the solution and because i don't i don't want to see johnny hayes at left back again that's i'll put that out there right now scales was good scales was good at left back scales left back mccrory center ramadani clarkson baron up ahead i mean i'll take that if you play baron up ahead though you're having to drop somebody else out of the team so it's again it's these are these are options i'm delighted to have rather than last year of thinking oh god that's jet again
3: yeah,
0: absolutely, Graham. Liam Scales at left back last night, yesterday, not last night.
3: I'm kind of with you. I, I don't want to see Johnny Hayes there, I, I mainly because actually this season, I don't know how he's he's obviously found some sort of time machine because we're almost getting prime Johnny Hayes, and yeah. you really, really just want him in those attacking roles, playing further up the pitch, and whether it's just laying, you know, crosses on, just beating men, causing panic in the defense. You
2: want him doing all that work. Johnny will defend for you all day from left wing. He will. Yeah, but, absolutely. But you'll, but you'll get the advantage of having him in a more advanced position when you're attacking.
3: Yes, yes. That's more what I mean. I know, yeah, he always puts in a shift regardless of where he's playing. But yeah, we would rather he's providing cover on a wing. But when we can uh, maybe break up a, an attack and turn the ball over, he's further up and he's in a position to just drive on and attack the opposition rather than basically having to run the length of the pitch. To do that, so it's again like all this means it is early days, but what it does seem to highlight is there's some good quality being being signed by the club, and actually we might be able to solve some of the problems of you know last season in terms of positions and swapping things because people get injured, suspensions, whatever it may be, but it's it's encouraging at this point that it looks like you can shuffle around some of the eleven and they can play different positions and they can do them well or you've actually got a good quality backup on the bench so it's all um, it's all good so far
2: yeah definitely still elements of the glass ball curse that are there though you know the uh, some of the dodgy playing around the, the back early doors and then yeah two new signings of course going off injured on their put debuts while well, they're yeah their put debuts I guess it would be yeah they would be yeah, yeah. yeah they would, um, would so be, yeah very unfortunate for both Hayden and then yeah Callum Roberts not long after he came on to be fair, though, we do have another winger to bring in in the form of uh, Shade the Morris. So, you know, <laughs> we're all right there on, on this the winger. is all
0: front. true. Conor McLennan's still there. Absolutely. Can I just say, though, Liam Scales is an absolute fucking baller, isn't he? Let's just be honest about it. And he looks a little bit like a young Alex McLeish. He's got it all going for him. In that he's ginger. Of course, uh, yeah, obviously. But he's got that kind of lanky thing. He looks a bit like. Hey. Listen, every week I watch Liam Scales and I'm more and more like of the view of just give Celtic whatever the fuck they want and buy him because I honestly think if we could get him for like half a million or something we would sell him the way he's like with with what he's shown so far I think we would easily turn a profit on him in the next couple of seasons easily at the moment obviously if there are anyone from Celtic football club listening in he's fucking garbage and you should sell us to him for 50,000 pounds because he's terrible and you'll never make any money back ever again on him but he's like like that ball he plays into Miovsky from the left channel in the second half he just lofts over the center of over set of defence over Shaughnessy, I think it was. It's it's brilliant. And if you've got full backs or centre halves, you can play passes like that through channels, through the lines, we're gonna be fucking laughing with this guy if we can keep him in the team and preferably with us and not recalled in January and sold to I don't know, fucking Charlton Athletic or something <laughs> for a million pounds. Like I'm beginning to love Liam Scales more and more every week, and um it's really
2: unfortunate he's not actually our player. I mean, the thing is, though, we're noticing this. There's no way Celtic are not noticing us. Yeah, I know, I know. I can't even. I think
0: I can't remember who it was. I think it was Johnny Mayne, Actually, Johnny, I think it was you. Shout out for this one. Was talking about the fact that are we are Celtic really saying that Liam Scales is further down the pecking order than Stephen Welsh is? Like, and I know that Welsh scored the goal against us last week, but seriously, like, Scales looks like a fucking much better player than Welsh. And I know that we. I think Scales got Scales seemed to be the guy that bore the brunt of the kind of, what's the abuse on Twitter or whatever, after the Bodo glimpse results from Celtic where they got hosed out of the Europa Conference League One of the Europas I think it was the Conference League because they got hosed out of all three tournaments last season didn't they? They got dropped into each one of them and still I think they were the first team ever to be hosed out of three European tournaments in one season never mind, he seemed to be the guy that got like bore the brunt of that and I remember watching certainly the second leg in Norway was it the second leg in Norway? I think it was And Celtic across the board were garbage that night. It wasn't just one guy. And it's like, to just pick on one guy seems very, very harsh. Um, As I say, though, you're absolutely right, Celtic. He's pish. 50 grand. And we'll gladly take him off your hands. And we'll try and turn him into a player if we can. Um, Moving on, though. I think there needs to be an honourable mention here a little bit for Christian Ramirez and Duke for the fourth goal. Because... Ramirez's part in the goal is the thing that we've, I think, been saying he can't do, i.e. took the ball in to feet, held it up well, played an inch-perfect pass into Duke, who held his run superbly, and it's a wonderful finish by Duke. Um, Proper maverick finish. The celebration's fucking brilliant. The boy tumbling down the front of the red shed on the tarpaulin's amazing. Like I say, if it was you, we'll be in Siberia... Probably on Saturday, if not the week after We'll give you a pint, because that was fucking amazing It was a good goal, and it was Great to see, I, I love the fact Duke got a goal Because I think he's a real character And getting a goal on
2: your Home so home debut? No, he played against Wraith, didn't he? Uh played against Wraith Because, yeah, Ramirez possibly yeah. should have Laid him off. Yeah, but league, league Debut, gets a goal,
0: you know Great stuff, very enthusiastic Flexing his muscles to the red shed and all that Fucking great stuff Um. And I think he's a character. I can just sense there's something about him which is going to be enjoyable. Maybe not all the time, but there's some... I think he's like a likable jet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you saw it when he scored. The, his teammates were almost happier for him than he was. And that's yeah. saying something because he was fucking delighted. Um, yeah, I will go back a step and say that, yes, because I've probably been the most critical of Ramirez and his overall play out with scoring goals Um you're right it was good awareness of where Duke was and yeah it's a nice little ball inside and yeah fair play fair play it's not something I was not something I would have banked on Ramirez having in his locker so yeah delighted to see it if he's going to stay here uh, he's going to contribute like that off the bench then hey we've that's uh, that's an excellent an excellent reinforcement to call on
3: he might just get on better this season with Actually, maybe sort of playing a slightly more expansive brand of football, even just the fact that he might have support in and around. Do you think about what was he trying to do last season? I agree with you. That sort of um, receive the ball, turn, pass, wasn't really anything that I saw a great deal of. And when he tried to do it, it didn't always work out. But then if you think about it, when he was trying to do it, we have been under the cosh, gets the ball shelled up to him. He was trying to do that. Um, with a view of, oh, if I do this, there's probably no one around, so almost like, what's the point? Whereas maybe now, if he's in that sort of mindset of, like, I know where Duke or someone else, I know there will be someone there, all I need to do is this little bit, and then someone's going to take the ball off me, uh, and you know, can get, get up and support. It might, might help him, It's I like think we've all been, a little disappointed with, maybe the way, things have gone with him, but maybe this just, it's like a bit of a, a reset, new colleagues, because, um, I guess you don't know how well he maybe got on with guys. You never really see what's going on behind the scenes either. So maybe this is just a good opportunity for him to have another crack at Aberdeen, given that he's still on the contract. Yeah. And I do think he can, like I've said, I, I, he can contribute over the course of the season. I'm pretty sure about that. He's lost his starting spot, but maybe that gives him something to get after over the coming weeks and months. And hey,
0: you say like, you know, whether or not he's here or not. I mean, the MLS secondary window closed on the 4th of august so he ain't moving back to the states um not in this window anyway so i'm gonna presume there's not many teams around europe who are looking at him um so the chances are ramirez will be here now until at least january one would assume and you know if nothing else now it does provide us with options off the bench it gives us an opportunity to change our shape as well when you take people like We'll come on to it later on When we speak with Pepe from the MFC podcast You know he's talking to me later about The fact that they look at Ramirez's numbers From last season and they're like He's a good player like compared to Van Veen for example He's scored more goals blah 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 Than Van Veen did and I'm like yeah And he's not even a starter for us this season He's like that's crazy like that you've got a guy like that Who's now going to come off the bench potentially And then you look at yesterday and you go If you bring guys that If you are in a game and it's tight or whatever, or you're 1-0 up or something and you've been playing against a team if you bring off Ramirez and Duke and go with two up top for example or Duke coming off the wing Duke's pace is going to terrify defenders at a late stage in a, in a game these are suddenly nice issues and nice problems to have around the club that, that are guys vying for first team spots but who can also do a job if they come off the bench 20 minutes to go.
3: Early days but yeah I agree with that You know, it would appear that got a slightly better quality on the bench than we had last season. And maybe, I think you've also got a good balance of guys with points to prove. I know that you take Duke and Ramirez as examples. They're almost opposite ends of their careers. I mean, not quite. It's not like Ramirez is ancient or anything, but Duke, Duke's got a lot to prove in terms of where he's come from. I may yeah. or may not see Aberdeen as a step up. It might be a sideways. And he's maybe, you know, I can get back to, playing in Portugal wherever and Ramirez might be looking at this thinking right okay last season wasn't great but I was first choice I'm now not okay that's fine I need to show these guys what I can do so you've got guys coming off the bench who for different reasons basically have points to prove and that that might work in our favour rather than maybe guys that you know coming off the bench and Ugh, I've been told I'm not going to be here that doesn't really put me up or down what happens you've got guys that really need to get after it. Because it's been all jokes aside, if Ramirez wants to keep on going at any sort of decent level, he's going to have to perform as a minimum for six months or a little less until January. He might pick up something then. Or if he doesn't, his contract's starting to run down and then he's got the worry of, well, where does he end end up after that? So this might all
2: work out quite well for us. As a striker as well, Ramirez has got to realise that he is... Obviously, he was disappointed with the way things ended um, with Stephen Glass and Alan Russell. And he made sure to tweet his <laughs> disgruntlement for sure. But he's got to realize that in comparison to last season, he's playing in a much faster, much more dynamic team. Mm. That is naturally going to create more chances for him, even if that is coming off the bench. Um, you know, yeah. we've, we've gone from being, you know, half back passes to center, back to wing, back to center center holds it holds it holds it to you know just pace and athleticism being all around the pitch Um, yeah it's yeah like I say Ramirez with that kind of performance yeah very happy to see him still so like I don't know what anyone else thinks I fucking
0: love Duke I've decided like there's just something about him there's this infectiousness about him there's an enthusiasm about him there's a maverick nature about him like watching him run through yesterday you know when you're like What's he going to do? He's got like half a pitch to decide what he's going to do with himself here. And in the back of your head, you're like, he's going to chip him. He's going to chip him, isn't he? He's totally going to try and chip him. And you think Carson's just going to stand up and catch it and he'll look like a right fud. (laughs) And he doesn't. He sits him down, chips it over the top of him, clips off the post, straight into the red shed. I fucking love it. It goes back to something that, again, um, during the meeting Graham, you and I had with a certain individual during the week. And my wife hates this sort of chat. Like, so we were driving down the road today to the in-laws. And Sarah's like, oh, how did the game go yesterday? Blah, blah, and I'm like enthused, obviously, because we've won. And um, I don't know how you guys feel. And I don't know how people out there in the solar system feel about it. But I was like, I feel like we're a more likable team this season. Like, I feel like we've got a good bunch of guys in our football team this season that make me go, I'm rooting for them. Like, I don't think there's egos there I don't think this looks like A, a dressing full of egos like, There was times last season I watched our team Especially kind of February, March and I was like I don't like any of the people In our football team <laughs> Which is like really damning As a supporter to go like With some exceptions Okay, there are some that are Like Joe Lewis, Johnny Hayes These guys, clearly But I'd be there like I, There's nothing likeable About my team at all And I feel completely different this season They seem like good guys which is kind of making me also root that a little bit more for him. And, and I say the same about the manager. Um, we tweeted it out during the week. Um, we had a little bit of time with uh, Goodwin, Graham, myself, you, and, and other people. And he was brilliant with my son. He was superb. He took a genuine interest in what we are doing on the podcast, which was great. Um, and we were only there with him before, Graham, like three, four minutes. Not even that.
3: Probably not even that. But he was literally kind enough to... Humorous jokers en route to, 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 <laughs> to taking training, training. Um, which actually incidentally yeah, they were doing training at Tawdry just to get people familiar with the, the stadium because they've got so many new people um, arriving so he took a couple of minutes out yeah he was really good, genuinely did seem interested um, which was pretty good to I him and it does, I think it's like almost like humanising these people sort of gives you a slightly different, doesn't mean you, they get a free pass if things aren't going well but you may be a bit more mindful that there's sort of someone behind there's a real person there, if you know what I mean. Uh, but I think if you if you can kind of get to know them or you get a bit more invested in them as individuals, it does help, Um, you know, maybe it does help you get involved and in, connect to the team. I know what you mean. It does look like, obviously it's early days, but it does genuinely look like there's a a good atmosphere around the whole squad. And that. that is probably just as important as having good players.
0: I mean, to put it into context... My son was watching um, the sports scene highlights this morning with me and Goodwin, <laughs> I love this this is so fucking amazing Goodwin came up doing the the, the interview after the game and <laughs> he really actually went oh, that's my friend Jim
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like,
0: fucking love it that was only after like three minutes of engagement and you know it was, it was brilliant and like we've said before that we're very much on the fence about Goodwin as the choice for manager and hey, there's a lot of proof still to be done in that particular pudding. Um, Don't get me wrong, but I tell you what, after coming out of that time that we spent with him on Thursday, I'm absolutely fucking rooting for the guy because I think he's a genuine good guy. I think he absolutely wants the very best for our football club. He's determined to get us there. So, fingers crossed, we get there
2: with him, all the very best to the guy. I think all I'd finally just add that is we've got reason to believe within the dressing room there's that same sentiment of it's a much more united dressing room in comparison to last year and you look at you look at maybe like Derek McInnes like the kind of peak team of him with you know Hayes and McGinn flying and McLean and Shinny it seemed like that was a dressing that really fought for one another they all really yeah. gone, and it feels we've been given an inkling to believe that this dressing room feels the exact same way and it's 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 maybe not necessary for everyone to get on to be a good team but it's human nature that if you if everyone likes each other you're going to run that extra yard to cover up for your mate to help out in a difficult situation, and that's only going to help us get results. Maybe in games we don't play as well as we did to get Sitman in, but we'll have that energy, we'll have that fight for one another. It's um, so so pleasing to see, and a lot of credit needs to go to I think primarily the manager for that. Uh, and that's not easy with a whole new squad of players
0: either yeah. to get into jail and all that. And it, it talks about character. Stephen Gunn, um, I hate to labor the point of this, but Stephen Gunn, obviously, in his interview with Graham Hunter, spoke about the fact that there was, I think, two transfers they were close to doing and they decided that the last minute after doing some background work on the players they decided these were kind of personalities or whatever that they didn't actually want to bring into the changing room despite the fact that there were technical positive reasons for bringing these guys into the football club more importantly was the dynamic they would have with the with the dressing room and i think you can see it um as you say graham See, Gavin, sorry, Graham, as we, as we heard as well during the week, you know, there are experienced players in our dressing room who are saying this is the best dressing room they've ever been involved in. Um, that says an awful lot, I think, about how well they've been able to gel these guys together. Fingers crossed, it continues. We're only two games into the league campaign. I am very much right now remembering BK Hecken last season and trying to just soften that expectation
2: level. But fuck it, all in all, Saturday, a great afternoon's work. Uh, yeah, night and day on the pitch and in the stands from the bulk of last season and I look forward to seeing more days like that up the Dodger the season. And of course with results
0: on Sunday, the Dons are now straight back up into fifth spot. It's fair to say that that last minute equaliser for Hebs at Easter Road just helped a little bit keep us right in and around Hearts in the mix which I know it's only two games in but after our opening day fixture being away at um, Celtic, Hearts having two, what should have been three-pointers against Ross County and Hebs, obviously. For, for us only to one point off them, is, is, is not bad. St Mirren rooted to the bottom of the table alongside Ross County, both sides with two defeats from two so far. I must admit, I fear if I was a Buddies fan for where I'm going to end up this season. Gav, Graham, you're topped on from Saturday.
2: I feel as though there's so many contenders once more but take everything into context the late medical about an hour's worth of kip not even knowing most of his teammates names to come on as early as he did for Leighton Clarkson to in that performance deserves man of the match every day of the week so Leighton Clarkson I think I probably have to
3: agree with that as well it's probably tricky enough as a relatively young inexperienced player to uh you know, to sort of walk into a first-team changing room and get to know guys, never mind. Literally turn up, have someone to eat for lunch and then go out and and do what he did. So I think I would have to agree with you. Quite happy for him to be the the man of the match.
0: Well, it's a clean sweep on the AB's NFP because it's Leighton Clarkson for me as well. And then the Solar System had the choice of Boya Miofsky, Liam Scales, Ross McCrory or Leighton Clarkson, courtesy of Gavin's rough choices on the 90th minute mark. And it was the debut boy who ran away with it as well, winning the poll with 46.7% of the votes cast. So a clean sweep. I think it's the first time that's happened on the pod so far. Leighton Clarkson, man of the match. Let's see what you can do next week. So other news from Potaudry and Cormac Park this week. Aside from the signings of Shaden Morris, uh, you can go back to see episode 55.5 for more on him and Leighton Clarkson. Um, See the match review earlier on a relatively quiet week at AB24, which means we can move straight on to Lone Watch, in which Kieran Naguena started in a left-wing role for Wraith, which seems a little bit odd, but never mind, there we go, as they were beaten 1-0 at home by Dundee in the championship, Naguena withdrawn at half time In this one, Mason Hancock got 90 minutes and a clean sheet under his belt, and our (laughs) growth battled out a 0-0 door with ICT in the championship. Do you like that one, Gav?
2: Fuck's sake.
0: What? ICT and Snoopy Snoopy Dog Dog. Nice. I like it. You've got the reference. I don't know if anyone else will. Somebody two people did pick up the Bulldog reference last week. So I told you they'd love it. Love it. All, all good. All good. Evan Towler, 90 minutes under his belt for Cove as they went down 1-0 at Greenock Morton. Tom Ritchie, an unused sub again. Um despite the fact that Quoss shipped four last week. That's correct. Yep. Um, but yeah, to Clyde. A 0-0 draw this time at Montrose in League One. Kevin Hanrati with an impressive 70 minutes for Forfer as they saw off Stranraer by two goals to nil in League Two at Station Park. And Dean Campbell came off the bench for the last 15 minutes and helped Stevenage turn a 1-0 deficit into a 2-1 win with goals in the 88th and 95th minutes to put big bad Steve Evans, Stevenage, joint top of League Two down south. Mental stuff, eh, Gav? Gav's just shaking his head at this. He can't believe it. Steve Evans, joint top, League Two. Big, bad Steve Evans. What you got to say about Steve Evans, Gavin?
2: <laughs> Um I've got. An, I have no comment about Steve Evans. He's big and He's bad, and he takes bungs. <laughs> Is that an allegedly? Do we need to put an allegedly in there? I think he did. He not go to prison for that? I don't know. I don't. Ha- I, I'm not checking it right now. See, so will let we have say that's it. an allegedly? Evans
3: expressing a personal opinion at this point. i was I'd Gavin. At... That was
0: Gavin James Baxter. <laughs> Not the ABZ Football Podcast. That was Gamadge's about to acting as an individual. What was What, what was it that he was um, <coughs> accused of? <laughs> Allegedly accused. Of, I don't know. Remember look. when his Rotherham United team scored in a playoff final at Wembley? He was ran down the trackside and he had to haul his suit up because it was exposing his crack. Remember
2: <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, hang on here. Da-da-da-da. Much into contract irregularities, bizarre irregularities in the accounts. <laughs> the, it was that the money was simply resting in his account. Uh, suspended from the game for 20 months for involvement. Players' contracts, da, 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 da. further accused of impeding the inquiry. <laughs> I doubt it. No way. Evans later pleaded guilty in court to conspiring to cheat the public revenue and was given a 12 month prison sentence, suspended for two years. So, suspended prison sentence. You're fine, Gav. You're
0: all right. Jinky lost. You know how they talked there about him like impeding inquiry. Did he lose his phone in the North
2: Sea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a time to be alive. Indeed, absolutely. Anyway, shall we move on? Let's, yes.
0: Yes, on to the young team. And after last week's impressive 9-0 win over St Mirren in the Cass Under-18 League, it was back down to earth with a bump for Barry Robson's charges as they went down to a 4-1 defeat in Glasgow against Celtic. Uh, that's enough about that. Next up, a trip to Barura and the SPFL Trust Trophy on Tuesday night, which will just miss our editorial deadline, I imagine, Gav.
2: It will, but all the best of them.
0: Absolutely. Next up, the women's team, the Quines, got their SWPL campaign up and running with a visit to New Douglas Park to face Hamilton Ackies. The new-look Dawn side led out by new captain Lauren Campbell following the retirement of Kelly Forrest last season. New signing, I'm going to get this wrong, Erin, but it looks like it should be Iron. That sounds wrong. I'm going to say Erin. I'm sure somebody will phone me and correct me with this. Erin McCafferty, who signed earlier in the week, started on the bench as the Dawn starting 11, featured familiar faces in the form of Jessica Broderick, Donna Patterson, Ailey Shore, Chloe Gover, last year's ABZFP Player of the Season, Bailey Hutchison, Bailey Collins, and Ava Thompson, alongside youngsters Maya Christie, and 16-year-old Brody Greenwood, with ABZFP-sponsored AJ Meech, retaining her spot in the sticks. Go on, AJ. Go on. A youthful Don's bench, though, showing the faith that Emma Hunter and Gavin Beat have in the young talent coming through the ranks, but not an easy one today, unfortunately. The hosts almost in front inside the first minute where a scramble in the area led to Megan quickly hitting the post. The Dons straight up the park and should have gone ahead themselves a strong run down the left by Hutchinson. Saw her in the penalty area, but her effort just passed. The target Hutchinson passed up another chance on the 10th minute. She got on the end of a long ball from Donna Patterson but Aki's keeper Chloe Nicholson did well to race off her line and block the Dons striker's effort. The visitors continuing to press against the resilient Hamilton defence. Ava Thompson doing well to ride a tackle before firing an effort wide. Greenwood then fancied her chances of getting a debut goal as her long-range effort was fielded by Nicholson as well. Maya Christie was the next to try her luck as she cut in from the left and sent a powerful effort straight at the Aki's keeper before the hosts came close when Giard tried a curling effort from the wide on the left for her shot just skimmed the bar and landed on top of A.J. Meach's goal. the other end, a deep Chloe Gover cross on the left and her opposite wing back, Bailey Collins, who couldn't quite direct her ta- header on target. 0-0 at half time, in what was a fairly open encounter at New Douglas Park. The Dons continued to dominate possession as the second half began with Giard posing a threat from Hamilton on the break. Summer Christie was the first to have an effort in the second period, but her effort from distance was never going to trouble AJ Meech in the Dons goal. Ackie's had their goalkeeper to thank again in 53 minutes. Jess Broderick's bought up the line from Christie, who beat Hannah Coakley for speed before squaring to Thompson. The Dons midfielder sending a curling right effort towards the back post, which Nicholson did well to parry away. And it seemed as though it was going to be just a matter of time until Aberdeen took the lead, but it was Hamilton who grabbed the first goal of the game against the runner player after 64 minutes. A ball into the area found Muir, who flicked the header past Meech and into the net. The goal giving the host a lift, but the lead lasted a little more than three minutes after a brilliant strike from Bailey Collins, from 25 yards into the top corner, leveled things up. Erin McAfee came off the bench for her debut, replacing fellow debutant Brodie Greenwood. And despite the Don's dominance, they found themselves behind again on 75 minutes. Giard finding space in the penalty box and forcing a shot past Meets from close range. And as the Dons pushed for an equaliser, there was always the, op- the issue of being caught on the break. And that's what happened with two minutes remaining. Aki's winning the ball in midfield. Giard playing the ball to substitute Olivia Potter, who hit an effort into the top corner. 3-1, it finished to Hamilton. A disappointing start for the Quines in their SWPL Tilt this season. Gavin Beath quoted after the game as saying it was a disappointing result, but a pleasing performance in many aspects. We played well for large parts, created chances, but there's always that risk. If you don't take them, then you're going to get punished. <laughs> so next up for the Dons, Motherwell visit the home of football next Saturday with Aberdeen looking to avenge last season's bogey teams of bogey teams. Muddle. it's fair to say, boys, not enjoying the best of starts to the season. Uh, dumped out of the Europa Conference League at the second qualifying round stage by Sligo Rovers. 3-0 in aggregate, which saw Graham Alexander, Ian Cathro, and out of a job before the season begins. A fortunate win, and that's being very polite about it, in Paisley last week before they were beaten at home by St Johnston. And let's be honest, St Johnston look like they're fucking garbage. Uh, on Saturday, a goal from Stevie May, formerly of this parish. Oofed. In the fourth Oof. minute of injury time, sealing the points for the Perth side and plunging the steel men into further anguish. Former player and academy director Stevie Hamill. You might remember him being assaulted on the main stand side by by Tommy Wright. PC Tommy Wright. Assaulted GBH attempted murder, whatever you want to call it. Uh, currently in careshaker charge, Stevie Hamill. Um Motherwell hoping to make an appointment potentially this week. We'll talk about that later on in the show. But you know, um, us. We, we hate to cast dispersions from the sidelines about how teams are doing. So, to get the download just where things have gone wrong for the well to preview next week's game, we sat down with Pepe from the MFC podcast for a wee chat. Pepe from the MFC podcast. Welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. How's it going, mate? All good. Thanks for having us on. Oh, not a problem. Delighted. Listen, we have to start with this one. Pepe, come on. You need to explain that one to us.
4: Basically back in the eighties, I was in the old boys' brigade, but everybody had a nickname and unfortunately I looked like a Muppet at the time. An actual <laughs> Muppet called Pepe, a ventriloquist Muppet, and it just stuck. Even even my wife calls me Pepe, so so it's quite nothing nothing too exciting.
0: I love it though. Like I was still literally I was talking to my father in law. I'm down in I'm down the road uh, this weekend and I was saying oh boys called Pepe and he was because like, my father in law's from Bell Hill originally as well. And I was like, it's for Previewing the Motherwell game next, next week And he was like There can't be too many Pepe's Kicking about Bells Hill like And I was like <laughs> yeah, yeah I doubt it I doubt it So listen nah. I mean let's just get Straight down to business eh? Um, Next Saturday Motherwell will visit The home of football Tottenham Stadium For eh, the third Of our, of our ties in the, in the premiership of the season And um, Where do we start
4: With Motherwell at the moment? I, I think it's uh, The thing with Motherwell Is The future At the end of the season We're beginning to the third game of the season without Graeme Alexander in charge, I don't think many of my fans would have um, thought that would have been um, possible, but <laughs> I have to say a lot of my fans would have hoped for it rather than thinking it would have been possible. Despite um, the qualifying for Europe and uh, some of the praise they got, he never really won all the fans round mm. um, with the style of football. we silly things like... Like moving the the dugout, it's been I've been going to watch Mallow for thirty five years, and Graham Alexander comes in and thinks it's a better idea to move the 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 the, the dugout to the left hand side, um, and it just kind of it was weird looking at it. I actually it was probably one of his bigger supporters, um, but I do think it was the right move to go. And I've got to be honest and say that that probably only his as confidence. As we should be coming up to Pottodry. I think. Um, looks as if you are starting to maybe find your feet, and but you never know, you never know. But Football's listen, a funny game.
0: Listen, last season you were the bogey team of all bogey teams for us. Um, mainly due to the fact that Declan Garker appeared to just absolutely shit the bed every time we played you. Um, and I did quite enjoy the fact that Kevin Van Veen scored again last week against him, which I think makes him is it three goals in four games? I think it's uh, Declan now. Yeah. So, um, and and Van Veen's one of those hilarious players as far as I'm concerned because. You'll know this obviously way better than I will because I, I don't watch Motherwell every week, but every time I watch highlights of Motherwell last season or whenever I saw Motherwell on TV, I was like, Van Veen looked bang average. And then he would turn up against Aberdeen and play like a hybrid Van persie Burkamp, and just yeah. absolutely
4: maul us. So um, incredibly frustrating. In relation to Kevin Van Veen, um, just after McInnes left, or probably just before he went to rather, Derek McInnes had said that Aberdeen had looked at Van Veen. Um and the, the Scout went down one week and he was absolutely outstanding. Then he went and watched him three times and he was shite. <laughs> um, and he said he just couldn't could work out, he said he was a world beater and that probably is a really good summary of him. Mm. But the unfortunate thing for Mother is that's that's her focal point just now. And I think that's a big concern. Aberdeen appeared to have recruited in numbers and although some of them maybe bit aren't as well known and sometimes that can be exciting but we haven't really recruited at all yeah um, I mean Aberdeen seem now to have, have, have the luxury of having forward players like you know, like Ramirez I mean like go I don't see Aberdeen every week but his numbers looked all right last season mm. they looked better than than, than some of the, the the strikers that he's had in the past he's had the luxury you know having him um and I suppose that's a concern for us
0: well, especially now, because Ramirez is going to be a bit part player, I think, for Aberdeen this season as well. He's not even going to be, you know, guaranteed um, first pick, I don't think, going forward this season. I mean, let's just go back really quickly, because you guys, kind of a bit like us last season, your form after January was, I mean, it wasn't as bad as ours, because ours was absolutely horrendous. But were one of the teams in that glob, as it was um, christened by the uh, Terrace podcast at the time, that... Nobody seemed to win a game like from January onwards, and you guys suddenly just appeared to somehow scrape your way into Europe. And do you think that's what almost saved Alexander from maybe getting the done end of last season? Was because you'd qualified? It's difficult for the board to give him the heat, the heave.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that. Uh, no, if we'd finished six and Ross County had got any of the, the, the Europe, I'm not sure that Alexander would, would still have been been sacked. I mean, let's not forget that. But... You can turn stats whatever way you want. When Graham Alexander gets sacked, he turned round in and, uh, and his time at, at Mullerall um, for the first year. He was number three outside Rangers and Celtic. Right. Um, but the football was not pleasing in you say from... It was actually, uh, I think, the numbers exactly for, for Boxing Day until get sacked we'd won five games and that's including beating Morton in the cup mm. um, and yourselves
0: <laughs> so we don't need to remember that thank you
4: uh, but, but see to be honest though I mean that, that we we done the review of this, the, the year in the MFC podcast and, and beating Aberdeen in the cup at Fair Park was the highlight of our season <laughs> not even getting to Europe and it, it, that sounds really sad but the reason for it being the highlight of the season it was the most entertaining game for us to watch um, the football was pretty negative negative. Um, but yeah, you're 100 right. Uh, I mean, obviously, you don't look at the form of the other teams, but but certainly, it's been it's been really grim. Um, and even when we're winning the games in the early part of the season, if you look back to the games that we played against Aberdeen, I would say that. That we grinded out the results, mm-hmm. we won the we won we brilliant. Um, but you take the wins, don't you? Especially places like Boutaudry,
0: yeah. I mean, like the 2 0 win you did on us, it must have been what October, November time. I think it was a real smash mm. and grab thing because the first 45 minutes, Aberdeen absolutely batted, yeah. And we should have been two or three goals up. And then it's Van Veen Shock who scores a couple of goals, um, that afternoon, really quick succession. And, and we were done at that point. We found it really difficult last season to play against teams like Motherwell, who would be quite content to sit in on us and basically put two banks of four and almost just say, look, play through, come on then, let's see what you've got. And we found it really, really difficult to deal with that last season. Um, Graham Alexander as well, he
4: was a really weirdly angry man all the time. What was that all about? Uh, it, it seemed not really to be able to adapt with, uh, with, with the referees <laughs> in Scotland. Some of the times justified, I think, and some of it probably just... Frustration. Uh, uh, He he is angry. The thing that always stuck in the back of my mind, I don't know if you've ever watched the Man United documentary. um, Well, sorry, no Man United. The the Class of 92 thing. Yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah. So so basically, he gets sacked during um, that, and then Gary Neville's came out and famously said he wish he hadn't sacked him because the football was was pretty grim. And it's almost like a carbon copy of it. Mm. Um, And I think a wee bit of me was thinking, like you say, I've never known a manager to get booked as many times. Um, <laughs> Stephen Glass tried to quit a bit last season. To be fair, like yeah. like it's, it's strange. Um, whether or not it's just because as booking things came in as a as a thing, we we booking um, managers. Uh, but he certainly, he certainly. I don't know if that was maybe part of the reason why he wasn't accepted with the fans. Mm. I personally liked him a couple of times he, he took a time out and stopped and spoke to my wee boy my wee boy goes up and him training and stuff like that and he was always quite a personable character there yeah. off the park um, but for a bit of a reason it just didn't did click um, and now it's really unusual getting into a season first game of the season where we are to take a manager um, and we've got a couple of weeks left in the window um, mm. so I think the one thing that, that I'm thinking about is if we do appoint a new manager midweek, it could give you that new manager bounce um, that that some usually comes with, with a new manager being in charge.
0: Be careful what you wish for. Um, Aberdeen certainly didn't get that new manager bounce with Jim Goodwin um, (laughs) in February March last season, that's for sure. Interesting, I I want to pick up on that, What something you said as well about Alexander changing the dugouts at Fir Park because Jim Goodwin's just done the same at Aberdeen. We've Flip Duggars as well um, this season. What was the reason Alexander gave for doing it?
4: Uh, he said that so if you picture uh, where the players run out of first pack, yeah. so they run out and each stand as as we call it, the John Hunter Stand, so the linesman would be to the yard uh, to towards the, the where the base support is in the big yeah. stand. Yeah. So Alexander's reasoning was that he thought that he could influence the linesman on that side more. Um, well, that's the same I,
0: reason Goodwin's given for changing hours as well. Um, he feels that he can maybe be in an aid the linesman a bit more from that perspective. I mean, I don't know if I buy it to be honest with you, but you know,
4: obviously didn't he work. He's booked said as we've just discussed. So, <laughs> or maybe it worked too uh, well, and that's why he was getting booked all the time. Uh, uh, that that was the kind of wee things that he did. In them. I mean, there was a wee things like the corners, like the, 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 He was taking, you not know, leaving men up the park, his rigidness with the, the, the the formation, hmm. substitutions. Um, but, I mean, you're never going to get all your support supporting every decision that a manager no, makes, but no. I did feel as if the majority of them, the, the majority of fans were against it. Um, so so that, that that was the reasoning behind the, the dugout. It just felt strange when you go and watch your team, usually in the same seat, and you're looking over to see what the sub is, and then you're thinking, who's that? And you think, oh, shit, that's a fucking, <laughs> that's, that's our team. And it happened a couple of times yesterday, but I'm, looking, I'm not used to looking at the other end now, and I'm thinking... Oh, we've moved back, so I've <laughs> oh, moved back changed. again now. So Stevie Hamill moved it back yesterday. <laughs> I love it. I, so, so there's, it's, gonna, be, there's uh,
0: gonna be those Ron Atkinson moments. I remember when he comes out and he just sits in the wrong dugout. If it was his uh, first yeah, time mate, in charge, I'd uh, Not in Forest, I think. Uh,
4: really. So it's, it was. It was definitely, it's definitely a bit, a bit weird. Um, but I think it is. Was hopefully now. I'll tell you what, though. Whoever gets the has got a big job in front of them. Um, We'll come
0: on to that in a minute, um, about about who you want in um, on that. But I mean, let's just go back to your start of the season. um, Because, listen, I'm not going to prolong your agony and I'm not going to talk too much about the Sligo Rovers thing because that's just a horrendous result. But we've been there. You know, we get knocked out in away goals by Bohemians many moons ago. So I'm not going to gloat about that sort of thing. But in terms of the league campaign, obviously, started off with a win last week in Paisley. Um, I watched most of that game back on... Wise scout, and it's it's probably fair to say that Mubble we're probably a wee bit fortunate I think, to take all three points. It's a bit of a Liam Kelly yeah. masterclass in goals that stops yeah. him doing or at least picking up a point. Um, but then yesterday, I've not watched, I've not seen anything apart from highlights from from, from the game on Saturday against St Johnston. But that's a really disappointing result that one against St Johnston. Because St Johnston, let's be honest, St Johnston are pretty fucking poor.
4: Well, they're, they're, they're terrible. Um, I think the first half, Mother were really mm-hmm. poor. In the second half, I felt as if we were the better team. I felt that we deserved minimum a draw out, out of the game. But when you score that late in the game, it's easy to switch off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's even worse when somebody like fucking Stevie May scores against you. Um, and you also no know better than me of what you think you think of him. Um, <laughs> but, but, but see, at the end of the day, I think it is really important that you go back to this legal game. I, I, and I know that... that I don't want to dwell on it, but one that's embarrassing is, is I mean, at almost about, so I don't know, Mullerol had been, the, the draw, the way that the, the conference league goes, the draw was made for the next round. Mm-hmm. So it was Vikings-Trabanga against Sparta-Prague, yep. Mullerol v Sligar Rovers. So I've got it, if you look at that in paper, you think, right, it's Mullerol v Prague. So I was going to book the flights before the home game. So staying on fifty six quid. Um and I thought as soon as Muller will beat Sligo, this is going to this got to skyrocket, you know what it's like. Um but thankfully I never but but that performance, I just do you know, it was the first part and we just didn't look like scoring. Um and even when we went behind, although we did score a goal over there, now Ricky Lamy, um after that we looked, we just looked Lacking ideas um, And what, what has concerned me Out the back of this Is that, that Stevie Hamill made a comment The other day Saying they need to get the players fitter. But this is meant to be The stage of the season Where but We are fit um, So there's definitely Been things Bubbling away um, And in, in relation to yesterday I, I'm I like to sit down With the fixtures When the fixtures come out I would probably say a winner winning a draw Against St Mim, So I'm happy with that Absolutely nothing else other than a home win against St. Johnston in the current climate where it. Yep. so so you're right, you're buying on with that. It's an absolute uh kicking the balls um, to get beat with <laughs> St. Johnston.
0: I'm saying that now we've got the Dogger Saints boys on next week to talk about we play St. Johnston away after yourselves. Um they'll hate me for saying this, but but St. Johnston are looking really bad, bad Nick um this season. But you never know. I mean that win, yes, they could just kick them on, you, you know, at a last minute injury time winner after you've conceded one injury time it could just be the thing that kickstarts a season for somebody somehow um, but yeah I mean interesting for you guys as well because obviously like you, you said earlier on Stevie Hamill's been in charge now for the two league games um, I know it's been reported a lot in the last week that Motherwell are hoping maybe to make an appointment this week ahead of the Aberdeen game I've not really seen though who's been particularly strongly linked with the job Um but who would you be? Who would you be looking for to come in? I mean, obviously Mark McGee's available, and uh, you should do the rest of Scottish football solid and 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 you know appoint him for the third time. But you know, realistically, I think,
4: uh, I think well, maybe get that one. I must. Uh, yeah. After he said Oakes the first time, uh, but the <laughs> second time was 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 pretty grim. Um, but I, we'll not even talk anymore about Mark McGee. Fat right. no. sorry. <laughs> the. the It's been a funny uh, time, there's not been a great deal of rumours in relation to who's going to take the job Um, It's been really quiet hasn't it, Uh, there's not been that uh, usual kind of We've got the usual names that are linked to Muller every time that that, 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 um, the job comes up, we've got an ex-player um, called Simo Valakari yeah. um, who is managed over in Finland um, quite a relatively successful career in Finland the one concern is that he, he went to a team in Norway Tromso um, who were kind of a, a relatively decent sized uh, yeah. region outfit and he got them <laughs> Um and then he's come back he's currently like, sitting top of the Finnish league um, and he's, he's just been beat 2-0 in the conference League so he's going to be interviewed for it uh, Paul Lambert's been mentioned Kevin Thompson Stevie Hamill you don't and want Paul name, Lambert do you you don't want Paul Lambert uh, no there's a wee bit of I've kind of obviously played him my own stuff like that but I've done a wee bit of research on him uh, when he's time I switching it just didn't, just didn't look great I think there's that wee bit of oh well, he's managed in the Premier League with a couple of different clubs um, but for me probably not um, the one name though that, that, that's getting the fans talking a wee bit and a wee bit excited and whether or not that this would be a possibility is Duncan Ferguson mm-hmm. um, that would be the one that, that certainly would get bums in seats he was on last night on Sky saying he's wanting to be a manager whether or not he would see this as an opportunity or, I hate to talk about my team but is it beneath him they start somewhere We've got to take um, a
0: punt somewhere I mean look at like, You know look at Scott Brown For example You know he's a Fleetwood Town I mean we can all have our views About Scott Brown And you know yeah. All that kind of stuff But with his Playing career um, You know He's had to go to Fleetwood Town To get a Get a go So You know It's not with the realms of possibility Let's put it that way And for a manager like Duncan Ferguson It's potentially a perfect opportunity Really Someone like Motherwell
4: Yeah that's that, That's who I've never heard anybody Say no I wouldn't want him mm. uh, Hamill is a is a marvel, marvel legend. Um, Canton guy is it maybe just a wee bit early for him? Similar to the time when, uh, when Keith Lasley took over for a couple of games, the fans had the same kind of viewpoint. Was it too early for for Keith? Um, and ironically now he's a recent man so. <laughs> So Where he is it. forming Motherwell version two to be. I fair. know that's that's mental, and it, it was. I'm to, I'm not going to lie that it was quite pleasing seeing uh, Big Declan being set up against. Yesterday. He's yesterday. Uh, I don't have anything against him personally. I think he done. He done well, and I'm not one of these fans that say if a player leaves a club, if it's going to be better them financially, then so be it. But he just came out and gave them a little fans' view of dig So it's quite nice to see him getting sent off yesterday.
0: He kind of did the same leaving Aberdeen as well. Like, he had a wee dig on the way out the door, and it's like, what are you doing, mate? Like, I don't understand this. Like, Um, you know, he gave it the whole, I've got Scotland caps, so you can't tell me I'm not good enough to play for Aberdeen. It's like, well, the evidence from last season shows you're not good enough to play for Aberdeen, Declan. And yesterday kind of, you know, showed us that back with some interest again. It's like, I'm kind of the same. I'm. Generally one of these guys, that I don't once a player leaves us, I don't really care too much as long as they don't have a big dig on the way out the door about us. And uh, as soon as you do that, it's like, all right, mate, all bets are off now, and you're gonna get fucking abused. So it was pretty delightful to see him get sent off yesterday after it was only like 22 minutes as well. It was fucking
4: funny, I'm not gonna lie. That that there was a quite a few model fans quite happy with that. Um, because he, he has uh, he made it quite clear that He's, he's trying to come across as a good guy by yeah, be saying, you know, "I don't know, don't know why they did like us because I'm in Scotland caps there," as you just said. Um But uh, listen, he's uh, he's he's just a just, he's a bad character, I suppose, and and that's football, isn't it?
0: That's exactly what it is. So, who who do you want? Though? Who's who's your choice for for manager? Because I'm always intrigued by these and you just talked about Stevie Hamle, obviously being a model like club legend and stuff. And he might be fancying it at the same time. Do you always, I always find like, but see when like cl- proper club legends get linked with the job, I'm always like, I don't want to happen because this ends generally speaking one way. They get sacked and their reputation, everything that goes along with them. Kind of gets starts Mark McGee is a great example of this with Aberdeen, you know, like club legend oh. as a footballer, as a manager and as a man, a fucking idiot
4: <laughs> you, see, you see the thing with Martin McGee is um, Martin McGee came to Motherwell uh, obviously if having did have any spells down south and the first season that we had uh, under McGee was was, was phenomenal football uh, fitness levels um, and the way that he conducted himself when Phil O'Donnell passed away I was going to say that seemed
0: to really give him a lot of he, he really led Motherwell with a lot of class to be fair to him through the whole Phil O'Donnell thing
4: Oh he, he conducted himself But then But, but If you look at it And uh, You can look at that He conducted himself In the stands at Pataudry The, the <laughs> night where he's absolutely hammered us but, pretty funny but In all seriousness sure. We've we done a podcast I, Where my, my little player uh, Marcus Patrick And he talks about how Mark McGee galvanised The the group at that time And it was must have been difficult to do it yeah. So he always hold a wee bit of respect But um I mean he's not the first manager who's got stole office. He's took Craig Brown office as well. So um so so we're just thinking, wonder when uh, if we get another manager in Aberdeen, will, when they get rid of Goodwin, they'll, they'll they'll come sniffing. But um I suppose as I've said, Duncan Ferguson uh is, is one that 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 I would certainly love to see in the dugout. Um uh, the other names that are getting mentioned. I, I would like to see Simo Valakari um I hate saying no cliches. he knows the club and stuff like that. But it's something different, uh, to 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 the likes of if, if I were going to appoint Kevin Thompson, we'd be as well appointing Stevie Hamill. Um Kevin Thompson has done all right at at Kelty Hearts. Um but for but me with a big budget, you know? He's, yeah, he's and, done well and, and,
0: with a huge budget.
4: It's, yeah. yeah. Um so for, for for me, um I would I would if we're going to go that route, I would rather have the likes of Stevie Hamill and the likes of him bringing in maybe like James McFadden to get the the mm-hmm. the, 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 the support fully behind them, I and mean, that's what they need. Um, they, they, they are going to need it. Uh, but for me, Duncan Ferguson is. It, 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 I don't want Lambert, but is he a sensible choice? No, he's not.
0: The three of us on the three of us on this podcast are Norwich fans. That's our English team as well, is Norwich. You Thank don't want Paul Amber anywhere near your football club if you can avoid it. He's a fucking terrible manager. Absolutely fucking terrible. And also in the in the press this week, he came out about the Motherwell job and it's the way he presented himself was like he'd be doing you a massive favour by taking the Motherwell job. And you know when you're like, fuck off, mate, you're unemployed at the moment, right? You don't have a gig um, at the
4: moment. Mother will be doing you a massive favour to take you on right now, mate. That that's it. There's other names. Obviously, there's usual names, but you always need to look at managers too. I, I really, I don't fancy Sean Maloney. Um, after he stepped then. he looked like a wee boy. That was it was uh, that his dad had given him a job and uh, managing people. I, I, I just don't. The thing is, though so there's no really an outstanding candidate out there. But what I will say is, Muller will do. come out with these, uh, like we had. Uh, I don't know if you remember Jim Gannon, yes, uh, the <laughs> manager, who was the guy that that refused to do a, a, an interview for Skye because his Sky was not working in the house Yeah, um, and then we had Dean Barraclough who has turned out to be the Northern Ireland manager so we always see to come out with, with, these, with these left field but I think Simo Vallecari I would be content with um, Duncan Ferguson would be my first choice Vallecari my second choice Stevie Hamill would be an acceptable choice um, but I'm not sure it's the right time for him
0: I want to see Duncan Ferguson having to deal with Willie Collum in the centre park. Uh,
4: I think the, the thing that's difficult we, <laughs> we 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 really Collum yesterday. After. Um, I think the guy's just not got a personality at all. Um, I think he's so rigid with the rules. Uh, uh, that's another argument altogether. Um, but I think the issue that should we've got me we, may have with Duncan Ferguson is he's griped with SFA with, with the time that he, that he get, ended up in the jail, didn't he with of course he yeah. sent off so I don't know whether I know he would he would uh, he would come back to to managing Scotland Um, I want to see it happen I want to see it happen I think I think it would be I think he'd be entertaining uh, I think he'd be entertaining for opposing fans I think if I think the, the he...
0: cinch is going to cinch we need to see Dave Duncan Ferguson in a dugout somewhere,
4: you know. Oh, it would be it would be brilliant. It would it would be really good. And if it was if he was if he had a good season at Motherwell, let's be honest, he's off is he? But that's 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 part and parcel of football as well. Um, I, I would love it because he's a character, and I think we miss that in the game a lot. you have just spoken about Paul Lambert um, almost being an arrogant figure uh, mm-hmm. to the extent where he's. He, he, he doesn't have the respect the uh, uh, other fans. I think it's just the, the the reason that his name's coming into it is because I mean he has managed at a high level. Um, but as you, I listened to I actually I listened to, to an interview with him, as I said on YouTube, we we And he just, as you say, arrogance um, was is the only word to describe the man. Um, would I give him a chance if I get my name The my loan manager of course I would but I could see it quickly turning the same way as what Alexander is and this is where Alan Burrows the chief executive really needs to think outside the box and think right I can't just go by a guy because he's managing to play. I've got to get the right fit that's going to get the fans back because a lot of the fans are, 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 aren't are enjoying the football um, but I mean if you just got to look at yourselves I mean I remember the end of the end of last season Aberdeen fans I'm not saying the majority, but a lot of fans that I knew were, were, were saying get one away. We kind of see how he's going to be able to make it work. Um, so time sometimes is 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 what we, we need to give a manager. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I don't know how many Aberdeen fans were really, really thinking about we'll have to let him go. But it, I mean, it, it wasn't good towards the back end of last season. And it was very much a case of he's going to have to pull off some work in the in the window alongside our recruitment team to kind of really turn this around and fingers crossed and i'm trying to find some wood to touch at the moment it's kind of going (laughs) okay but we've not the big issue we've got so far is we've not really had a proper test per se because we kind of cruised through our league cup stage which we should have done it was about as good a draw as we could have possibly landed as far as that went we went to celtic park and just did nothing basically we had a good 10-15 minute spell where we potentially could have equalised, but we didn't really lay a glove on Celtic, but let's be honest, a lot of teams are going to go park head this season and do the same, so it's not yeah. a massive issue. And then submitting Mirren yesterday, it's a good 4-1 win, but also we played against 10 men for 65-70 minutes, so it's very hard to kind of judge exactly quite where we're at at the moment, which is why I mm-hmm. think next Saturday will be an interesting game from our perspective, because as I said earlier on, Motherwell were our bogey team last season, Um across the board. And so that for us is a it's a barometer to see quite where we're at. It's just maybe a little bit I'm gonna say unfortunate for us that you guys are not quite informed or whatever. So it potentially gives us a slightly false impression. But it's going to be a very interesting game for us next week because you know for, from an Aberdeen fans perspective when we play anyone outside of the old firm at Patodry and including the old firm Patodry, we should be aiming to take three points every week. It should be our aim to get to where we want to be in the league. These are the games that we just weren't winning. We weren't doing anything in last season. You know, like I say, you guys came and did a job on us 2-0 at Petodre, um, did a job on us at Fir Park every time we played you, you know. So it's a it's gonna be a very, very intriguing game from our perspective um next week to see exactly where we're at. On that, it seems like the obvious place to
4: do this now. Predictions for next Saturday. It's probably the most gonna be the most difficult prediction because I'm not sure who the manager's going to be. <laughs> I love doing um, this on a whole
0: a whole week ahead. It's always fun doing this.
4: Yeah, yeah. So I mean I think I think Stevie Hamil's the way he's got them playing just now, I'm not going to say that he's he's in his words rewritten in football, the way he has done is he's he gave us what we want to see. We've we have back, a wee bit more possession football involving other own now rather than letting other teams play. Um if Actually, they appointed a manager, and it's Stevie Hamill, still in charge. With the same, uh, I can't see another than Aberdeen winning. Unfortunately, uh, for for from my point of view, um, I would be happy um, if Mother away with a draw you're up to Pataudry, Um but I think it will either be a hard fought draw, or I think Aberdeen will be on it another three or four. Um, the way that we're the way that the way that we are we're playing our confidence is short the only thing that that's is positive is that Ricky Lamy will probably come back into the reckoning um, but we're so we're so short up front Um, that if it's going to if mother are going to win it's going to be a sneaky 1-0 sneaky 1-0 Kevin Van it'll be Van Dien head kick it. Yeah, but I it mean that's Bean. the one thing he, he does go under your skin I still love that celebration when he runs down the side of the, doing this with the with the ear the, with the ears, uh, you know, he he has he a character, um, but I do I do think that that, that Aberdeen will win the game. Unfortunately, um, I think we're going to be in for a real hard season. We're going to be and be more confident at Fir Park. I mean, let's be honest, we've just been beat by fucking St Johnston. Um, <laughs> we, and, uh, we've, we've, I'm not being a, a negative Motherwell fan, but I'm being realistic. Um, we've been beat. 3-0 against Libro Rovers and we it out a 1-0 against St Mirren we just beat St Mirren 4-1 at home we're playing us at home so taking off my current number 20 classes I think Aberdeen will, 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 will go on and unfortunately beat us
0: Listen Pepe we'll leave it there mate um, that, that might be the most depressing prediction we received from a visiting fan all season I think potentially I feel for you mate I feel for you
4: Do you know something right like, uh, the reason that I've done that is uh, I've done a few podcasts. Uh, I was on the over Rovers one and I was also on uh, I hate to admit this, the freaking Airdrie um, <laughs> in the League Cup last season and I was calling them Clyde Bank and stuff like that. These are just Clyde Bank we'll pump we'll beaties and uh, they beat us to nothing, right? So I come on the night thinking, right, I'm gonna go on and be negative the night because then that means we'll win. <laughs> there we go. There is method in my madness and my my negativity. I love it mate I love it Hey listen Pepe
0: I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight on the ABC Football Podcast No
4: bother No bother.
0: Um, I'm going to say all the very best for the rest of the season but obviously with the exception of uh, this coming Saturday but uh, all the best mate
4: I, I just hope that Matt McGee's not in a dugout <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope he is Let's hope he is The sitch needs it
2: Nice
0: hey, one Thanks man. Take care Cheer.
4: Cheers
0: So gents after listening to that chat with Pepe um, Motherwell are not in a good place are they? Not at all
2: And I, and I don't mean Motherwell well that's the second time you've used that um, I'm going to use it a lot more it's never a good sign when you've sacked your manager after what, two games into a new season um, that's a, it's a pretty shiked position for any new manager to be going into and yeah I mean what they were maybe a little bit fortuitous to get that win against Sitminen. Um like Liam that's Kelly being very polite Gavin about it I think Liam Kelly had a, a pretty maybe the game of his life there and that's what led to them getting that win. Um, to get beat at home by St. Johnston is 100% not a good look for anyone. Um, they've not really done a whole lot in the transfer window at all. No, they've not. Which kind of makes you think there's not really much room to do anything, even for a new manager coming in. So it's a really difficult situation. They've got themselves in there. And off the back of the positivity that we are basking in, in this exact moment, I'm very optimistic that we can uh, yeah, put them under even more pressure.
3: Yeah, it's not going very well for them at all. I think it's going to be really difficult. Obviously, you get into that sort of funk before the season even starts. It's quite difficult to get out of it. And I can't imagine Motherwell really have the sort of resources to go and change much. I mean, I don't know who they'll be able to attract in terms of manager or what they can do with the squad. But it's also probably quite telling that they don't already have a replacement. So the Alexander decision you know it was maybe more of a sort of a snap decision a you know last season we were saying you know bending glass and not having an idea of who you're going to get felt like it was the right thing to do but it was obviously they'd almost just panicked or come to the end of their tether a little earlier than they thought they would have done and that kind of feels like that's what's happened with Motherwell as well so hopefully we can scud them on Saturday and to be honest their problems are their problems
2: I love it it's great I mean, I've tweeted this, but I love so Paul Lambert's been linked with the gig there, who's like who did well at Norwich and has done nothing ever since. I love it when they come along and they're like, Well, I'll give it a think, you know, as if like gracing Scottish their presence is just doing us a favour.
3: What they need now is Stephen Presley. Oh yeah. When they when done that interview, like, oh, you know, I I can't I'm putting I'm paraphrasing here, but it was worse along the lines of like I'm I'm above Scottish football. There's nothing there for me. I'm too good. What you need is guys like him. Currently, be like, ah, well, you know, I've got no money left, so I guess a job's a job. As if whether fans should be sort of yeah,
0: great. Oh wow, thanks. Steve.
2: Thanks, yeah. thanks for grace. Bowing at his feet.
0: I mean, the one yeah, exactly the one that's interesting. Pepe talked about was Duncan Ferguson being very heavily linked with it. Let's be honest, the Cinch needs Duncan Ferguson in a dugout somewhere, doesn't it?
3: I would be inclined to agree with that. It is impossible that we will not be talking about him for non-football reasons. It
2: very much feels like his natural habitat as a manager. <laughs> I think it would be absolute box office for Duncan
0: Ferguson to be... I don't know how long it would last. <laughs> I, know, I have no idea, but it would be... Can you imagine him with Willie will Collum? <laughs> just, like, it... very much worth it, I think. I did pitch to Pepe that um, Mark McGee should just get a third round on the on the roundabout but he wasn't up for it they so. don't deserve
2: that nah
0: nah yeah probably not but anyway sorry last predictions I don't know I got one out of two of you other than Graham says we're going to scud them and um... well let's uh, let's get Graham's definition of a
3: scudding Ooh, I reckon uh, I reckon we're getting another four another
0: four nice
3: Yeah. four unanswered goals are we going to concede again no unanswered and unusually it will be Kevin Van Veen left in the fetal position crying after a an absolute ragdolling by the Aberdeen team for 90 minutes rather than him destroying our defence so that's my prediction 4-0 Kevin Van Veen to cry
2: yeah well I mean whatever the opposite of kryptonite is that for Kevin Van Veen, that guy now plays for St. Benham so we're uh, we're okay there Um, I I think we'll win I'm going to go a tiny bit more conservative I'm going to say a 2-0 win for Aberdeen goals from Miofsky and you know what we didn't talk about him in the review but I thought Vinnie Bishawin came to the fore. played yeah, um, a good game. Yeah, played well. Unlucky not to score. Um, it would have been some goal. The shot that hit, the shot that hits the post. Yet yeah, leads to the yep. uh, to the penalty. Um, uh, good save from Carson. I thought he was um got, got involved in the game and was very good. So I think he's going to get off the mark in the league. So two 0 Aberdeen.
0: I'm going to go middle ground. I'm going to say three 0 Aberdeen. Uh, Miowski hat trick. Easy as that. <laughs> The ABZ Football Podcast is proudly sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Each Saturday throughout the month of August, Siberia are bringing you the very best of Aberdeen's musical talent onto their terrace in the sun, hopefully. Join them as DJs, acoustic acts and more take to the stage and as the bar is only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop to Patondra Stadium, it's the perfect place for pre and post-match pints and even better, head to the bar. Quote the phrase ABZ Pod as ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Welcome back to the ABZ football podcast and before we move on to our interview we'd just like to give a check to Gav McWilliam who made his contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week. We see you Gav.
2: There was a further contribution this evening as well I might add. There was but that person wishes to remain anonymous so we
0: That's fine. bring that up. That's fine. Um, but we see you both. Your bread's appreciated if you'd like to help us keep fueled in beers or coffees head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash abz football podcast the link is in the description buy us a beer or coffee it is much appreciated i can see graham at the moment tallying stuff up i'm not going to do the tallies because i've not done mine so they ain't happening um we've talked about it before we're ramping up our fundraising activities for the season ahead firstly the three of us are going to commit to running cycling crawling the 2,261 kilometres that represents the distance between Aberdeen and Gothenburg by the 11th of May, 2023 to mark the 40th anniversary of our famous victory over Real Madrid. If you'd like to make a donation, which will see the funds split 50-50 between Aber Necessities and the AFC Heritage Trust, head on over to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Podcast. Again, the link is in the description. I was going to say, how are you boys getting on? Do you want to do that just now? I've not tied mine up, so I've got no idea.
2: Well, I've just updated mine. After a few days of this week, which in which I have paid tribute to the movement of Jet, uh, I've really ramped up over the weekend. Uh you've played some...
0: a lot of basketball, Gav.
2: <laughs> it's too much movement. Um, taking some trips with with the dog around Aberdeen. Here, a little bit inspired by Graham Giles' effort from Cooter to, to Dice and visiting all the grounds in between, so I thought I'll go and Visit Graham's favourite ground in Aberdeen in the Balmoral. And uh interesting because of course last year you'd have had a much better chance of watching a team get scudded by the home team at the Balmoral instead of Petodry, but hey, these are these are different days now. Exactly. Uh, as it is, I have racked up two hundred and eighty-two point seven four kilometres, which Graham, I'm gonna bow to the official accountant, but I believe that's a tenth of the way there, or over a tenth of the way there.
3: You are doing quite well, so you've updated yours, I've done 332, I was a little lazy this week and I'm still waiting for my damn bicycle because it turns out that if I go running, my knees must be made of, well, like Jamie Smith's or something like that, they're absolutely (laughs) ruined these days. Yeah, but you don't hear it, that's terrible. No, so if anyone from Alpine Bikes happens to be listening, you've got my deets, get me my bike, (laughs) Um, and then I can start motoring on my way to Gothenburg. I hope it's not an electric bike, is it? No, have you seen what they cost? I have they <laughs> cost. They
2: cost a lot. it would have been cheaper buying an electric car. Yeah. So it's just an actual old-fashioned bicycle. Uh, I've done the conversion. That's 175 miles I've got on the clock, which must be taking me around the border kind of area now. So um, yeah. I'm not... Uh, How not many like miles, sorry? 175 miles. That's not border area, is it? From
0: Aberdeen. Graham's name's the driver here, so... He's um, typing
2: it in. He's 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 looking it up. I can see him. But hey, much like Jim Goodwin's Aberdeen, I know there's a long way to go. But hey, it's progress. Absolutely. I I haven't updated mine. I need to get on and do it. Um,
0: it'll be a solid seven each day, pretty much. So I've not done anything on the bike. I should have strapped the I should have strapped the watch to the car on the way down. Never mind. If you'd like to support us on this- Gavin, is
3: absolutely bang on. Is he? Yeah. A few other map services are available, but I use Google. Um give us your money, To the Scottish maybe. borders is 175 miles. Oh. So Gavin is absolutely bang on okay. and once again has proved that you don't know anything.
2: Well done, Gav. I'm Excellent on my stuff. way to that ferry in Newcastle. Hull? Hull. 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 Should, should have remembered that from uh, Only Fools, shouldn't I? Yeah, definitely.
0: Absolutely. Anyway, right, let's move on. Our APZFP Fantasy Football Leagues Back on the Fantasy Football Scotland app. Uh, you'll find the link to our league in the main landing page, because we're big time like that. Or you can use the ABZ FPL code, which is ABZ FPL, to join. There'll be some good prizes for this at the end of the season. Again, I still haven't actually bothered my arse to figure out what they're going to be, but there will be some more details to follow on that one. Uh, gents,
2: how have you on? See, I feel I've had a very good week, uh, 58 points. I did make the mistake of not captaining Boyan Miofsky. So that's... Uh, a critical error on my part. Why the hell is Kyle Lafferty my captain? Oh,
0: dear.
3: So the reason I have 72 points is because I did captain Mayovsky.
2: Nice. Uh, it is taking me to, if I'm not mistaken, this app is so not user-friendly. It's not Tied 134th position in our league. Oh, yeah I am also tied 134th.
0: Oh, holy shit, it's a three-way tie at 134th because <laughs> I'm there too. I've got 51 points. So
3: who I proves is that the three of us know nothing because we're
0: so far down (laughs) we do know our onions though right because again you know as is always the case with this people haven't listened when we set the rules out that you're not allowed to put them in so stevie cha i see you at the top of the table with 174 points but i also see the fact that you've got james tavernier as captain and uh, kolak in your team so you know no luck. You did vice captain Miofsky, so you got 26 points. So well done to you on that one. But, you know, losing points once again. But it is um, Stevie Cha at the top. Hoochie, is that the name? Hoochie is the name of his team. Sorry, this is not a user friendly app at all this season. Um, Goat with Goats in second place, 164. And Songs of Haze. I like that one. 157. Nice. Well done. Well done. Um, David Attenberg with Scotch Egg on the rocks in fourth spot 152 points and uh, Dons are back in eighth, well done, like the name positive, who's at the bottom of the table I'm going to do a lot of scrolling here Crispy Bear with no zombies allowed, that's a man who knows what the game he's playing, let's see who he has allowed them, he's allowed, he's allowed the green half oh mate, is he playing like I think he's playing fantasy football He's got Elliot Parish and goals for St. Johnston, who's horrendous. <laughs> uh, Mugabe at Motherwell, Richard Tate, Kingsley, Ross Callahan, the boy Carey at St. Johnston, who scored their own goal. Kennedy, Matty Kennedy, Barry McKay, Maeda Watkins, Watkins,
2: man. Oh, mate. And Ollie Shaw. I mean, I think it's a very bold move to put this, this little mascot on your team. He's not even a vice-captain to anyone. I don't think...
0: I don't think Crispy Bear is given a fuck to be honest (laughs) Based on that anyway there we go Uh, yeah if you'd like to join in like I say you'll find us on the landing page or use the code ABZFPL but now it's time for the latest in our line of interviews with Don's personalities of past and present and Gav we decided to do this one on the fly during episode 55 and a half well it seemed appropriate didn't it it seemed like a good idea at the time it's probably meant now that this episode is now very fucking long which means we'll be getting a lot of criticism once again about this but hey never mind. Seemed like the fitting time to do it. What were the acquisition of Shade and Morrison Fleetwood Town earlier in the week? So, here's our chat with a man who signed for Aberdeen in the summer of 2005, who went on to play 125 times for the Dons, scoring 21 goals in the process. Part
2: one of our chat with Barry Nicholson. If I might add as well, one member of this uh, podcast team had his, had his name on the back of his shirt at one point. Not me.
3: Oh, it was back in the day when I went through a period of getting players on my shirt and then they went through a period of leaving the next season or during that season so good times. But yes, I did. That was that was back in my youth when it was back in your youth. Not embarrassing to have a name and number on the back of your shirt. Could have been worse. You could have had E. Daddy 19
2: about 10 seasons after you left. Who would you have on the back of your <laughs> shirt now Graham? Oh, good question, Gav. I like it. If you felt it wasn't uh, socially unacceptable
3: if I wasn't older than the ball, basically. Basically, yeah. Um, oh, that is an interesting one. I feel like when McCrory's in midfield, the similar, you know, way I play the game, not with any of the technical <laughs> ability, but I can run up and down like McCrory can. So maybe him, but he's obviously got a little bit more skill than I've got. Um <laughs> he's he basically based his game on mine. So I think I should have his shirt. <laughs>
2: Can't wait for the day that we get Ross Mcguire on the show and he's, we ask him your football influences. Greg Graham, the, Graham, the rocket steel at Real Madrid. <laughs> Come on, the Gaffer, would you go for what? Who would you do? Like if it's well, not who would you do? But... <laughs> <laughs> who would I do? Um, that's a that's a very interesting question. That's a, this is a family show, isn't it? Um, that, that is for the post watershed episode. Oof, who would I have? Who would I have? Um. See, I never really had names on the back of my shirts. No, me neither. Ever. Me neither. So... If you had to pick one out of the current squad, you were the one who posed the question. I know, I know. So not think, on, not like. thinking this would get turned back on me. Come on. You think you are Liz Truss? Oh no, it's political.
0: We're going to get in trouble again. You are. Yeah, I'm always getting in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell.
2: For the avoidance of any doubt, if there, anything like that is tweeted out by our page, that's usually Gary. It's, it's usually Gavin. Um, you know, I w- I would go back to go back to where it all began and bring back all the joyful days i'd get haze on the back of mine Ah, oh, nice sentimental i love yeah. it yeah love it uh, duke obviously i mean like the
0: guy's amazing and it's cheap it's only three letters so i'm fucking laughing <laughs> <laughs> anyway here's barry nicholson barry nicholson welcome along to the abz football podcast how's it going
1: yeah really good um thanks for having me guys uh, looking forward to to speaking for a next little bit. Uh, I had a good time in Aberdeen, my career, so uh, yeah, looking forward to reminiscing a little bit. Absolutely. Listen, let's just get started.
0: At at the start, you were born in Dumfries in August 1978, so just talk to us a little bit, Barry, about your kind of childhood and your upbringing.
1: Uh, Yeah, I lived in a little little village just outside Dumfries um, and I got, no, I wouldn't say I got dragged along to watch Queen of the South, but I certainly went along to a lot of Queen of the South games as a young uh, kid. Um, in Dumfries so went to Car- Bridge Primary and then Dumfries Academy um, I've got um, two, two of my best mates like, well my family's still there my two best mates still live there so um, still keep in touch with them regular so it was a, a brilliant place to, to grow up um, still got a lot of friends as and family there so um, yeah sort of football career started with, with the, the school and a, a local boys club team uh, Maxwell and Thistle from sort of under 12 um, onwards. Um, yeah, that's how my sort of football career started. Can you remember anything in particular, like when
0: the football bug really grabbed you, and what's your earliest footballing memory you can you can recall? Oh,
1: um, I remember play. I remember playing in a I think it was either a five a side or a six a side tournament with, the, with my school, Bridge Primary. Um, and I think all the other lads in the team were primary seven, and I was primary two. Okay. <laughs> so I was like super young super like ridiculously small um, but I had a really good I had a really good mate and a still a good mate I mean he was like five years older than me so he was he was in the team um, and certainly looked after me but no I was I think that was the, one of the first times I ever played a game I think like a proper sort of competitive fixture rivalry too Aye.
0: and as you kind of touched on also you were you were taking a lot of Palmerston Park quite a bit as a as a youngster but it's pretty well documented yeah. that you grew up as a Rangers fan now yeah this is an Aberdeen podcast, so we're not gonna dwell on that for too long. But yeah. who would have been your your favorite player growing up?
1: Uh, I think McCoyce and Durant were my, my favourite too. Um I didn't see a lot of Davy Cooper um only from like videos and stuff like that. But I think um growing up supporting them at that time was was definitely like McCoyce and Durant were my were my favourite too. And obviously when obviously I obviously left school and, and went and joined full time. Um, and done my two year apprenticeship there at, at Rangers, and obviously stayed for another three years after that. So five years, they two were were in the building when I first when I first arrived. So it was an, it was obviously an amazing experience.
3: When you were growing up, was there a point where you realised that you might actually have a chance at becoming a professional footballer?
1: Um, not not really. I didn't really think it was going to even be a, make it as a professional. Even when I was a, a two year apprenticeship at Rangers, to be honest, I was I went in that first day. So what was a seventeen? I went in that first day and looked around the dressing room and I like I was literally like tiny when I was like when I was 17. I was like so small, probably about like, eight stone ten or something like wow. that, like wet through, like tiny, like super skinny. And then in this dressing room, my boys from obviously uh, West of Scotland, east of Scotland um looked much bigger, looked much older than me. Um, although I played with them obviously 15s, 14s, 15s, 16s, a few of them in the past, but I was just like, how am I going to? Like get get a pro contract. How am I going to be able to, to like be better than, than a few of these guys? So, yeah, I didn't really think I was going to make it as a professional. I just took the opportunity to do the two year apprenticeship and and take it for there. Yeah,
3: so you signed from Rangers straight from school. Did yeah. you have any other options at the time, or was it pretty straight a simple case of Rangers were in for you? So that's all you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, no, I think it was. Um, I signed a schoolboy form at 13, at 13, nearly fourteen at Rangers when I was with the boys club in Dumfries so at the time I was training with Kilmarnock there was a couple of sniffs about me going down south but once I got offered the the contract the, the S form contract at Rangers it was, a, it was a no-brainer for me it was an easy decision so. So uh,
3: as you mentioned that you, earlier you were there for, for a few years uh, making a handful of appearances for Rangers but when was the the point where you decided that in order to progress you were going to have to leave Rangers to push on in your career?
1: Yeah, I had a little think about it probably the year before I left. I mean, I, I stayed from '95 to, to 2000, um, which was like a, a really like successful period for the club. And um, I spoke to Dick Advocate about going and he was actually not too bothered if I went or not. He was quite keen for me to stay if I wanted to. Um, but Ian Ferguson had just left the year before from Rangers to go to Dunfermline and... Um, And I was quite, well, the Scottish boys all all were quite cliquey at Ibrox at the time. There was a lot of, obviously, foreign lads in the dressing room, but the Scottish lads looked out for each other. Um, And then Fergie moving to Dunfermline, I remember taking a phone call from Fergie, I think, and he was just like, listen, Jimmy Calderwood really likes you. Um, He wants to meet you. I think it'd be the best thing for your career. So um, Fergie sort of showed showed me the ropes along when when, when I was at Ibrox, and I think that was one of the main reasons why I decided to go to Dunfermline, because I would be playing alongside him. So that was one of the, um, yeah, that was when, he, when I spoke to him and then spoke to Jimmy Calderwood about Dunfermline, um, I felt it was going to be the right the right move. Yeah, let's just talk about Jimmy Calderwood a wee, wee bit here. He'd obviously joined Dunfermline Athletic in
0: November of 99. You signed for the East End Parkside in August the following season.
3: Yeah,
0: Dunfermline mm-hmm. had just secured promotion back to the top flight as well under Jimmy. Um, you kind of just touched on, obviously, like Ian Ferguson's influence there, but did the two Jimmys have to give you much persuasion as well to make the move to...
1: Um, I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy Nichol came and watched me for Rangers reserves. I think. I think I remember seeing him at the game, and then I actually met Jimmy Calderwood in, in Glasgow um, and spoke to him. And he just it was a brief chat about like what his ideas were. He was it was very like very Dutch influenced as well. What he spoke about was very much what advocate spoke about at Rangers. It was all, he wanted to be, have a possession based team, although we were probably obviously inferior, a little bit inferior quality to what was at Ibrox. But I mean, Jimmy like. Worked in Holland and had a Dutch background, so it, all that sort of was was struck sort of a chord with me. And obviously speaking to Fergie, was he, he really enjoyed the training, really enjoyed the group of players that were already there. Um, so it was an easy decision. Come like really to in the, in the end, um, I went back in and spoke to the Advocat and said, No, I think I've made my mind up. I want to go and play first team football because it was so difficult to try and get in oh. the team with the obviously with the quality that was was at Ibrox. Your time at Dunfermline really coincides
0: with, I guess, probably Dunfermline's best recent run of success. I suppose um, when you're there, they've got a number of really good seasons. They finish ninth the first season back up, so they comfortably stay up uh, a top six finish the year after that. That's followed up then by a fifth place finish. And then a fourth place finish in 2003-2004, which also has a Scottish Cup final against Celtic at the end of that season as well. The firm take the lead in that one just before half-time, settled Grace back to win the second half 3-1. I can only presume that's a real gutter of a, a second half, that one at hand.
1: Yeah, it was, that was that was horrible. It was actually... Um, that period up to the Scottish Cup final was really good for me because Jimmy made me captain, actually, like an old, an old Aberdeen lad, Nipper Thompson, Scott yeah. Thompson. Was, he was injured um, for a long time and missed the final as well. Yeah. Um, so it was actually quite. It was a bit of a strange period because I was really, really close when Nipper. I got on brilliant. He was like one of the one of the lads who took me right under his wing when I went to the filming. Um, so I, I knew it about before I was playing for Aberdeen. Obviously, I knew a lot of stories about Aberdeen because he just does not stop talking <laughs> about Aberdeen. Uh, Nipper, So, um, but no, it was, it was a bit of a shame for him because, as I say, he um, he was the club captain, but but missed out through injury. So Jimmy made me captain, maybe. I think just before the quarter final maybe and then I went on a like a run after that scored in the quarter scored in the semi against Inverness and then obviously captain on the on the day and I honestly thought at time we were we we're gonna to, going to win the cup because we have played really well. Celtic so were huffed and puffed but then um, second half they obviously upped it a little bit and like it was Larson's last game I think Henrik Larson's last game and yeah she scored he scored um just after half um and obviously they ran out three one winners so it was yeah, disappointing. Um yeah, I think that sort of spelled the, really the end The end for gym, the two Jimmys at Dunfermline. I think they went right the year after they obviously left to go to Aberdeen, right after that in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, I remember a little story that we all went, I think all the players went back to East End Park with their families and there was nothing on for us. There was <laughs> no reception or anything. Or, And I think that probably made Jimmy's Jimmy's mind up, actually. Yeah. Was, I think it was such a big achievement to get Dunfermline to the, the final and... Um, how, how well he's done it, how well he'd been done in the league sort of campaigns up to that sort of point. And I think that probably made Jimmy's mind up that he, he wanted to go to something a little bit bigger, I think.
3: Mm. It just actually as a wee side note to my question, looking through, Gary does all the, the excellent research here, so there's a few past and at the time uh, future connections there. You had Derek Sillian goals, Richie Byrne, Darren Young, Gary Dempsey, Derek Young, Craig Brewster and Stevie Crawford all yeah. having played or at some point going to play for Aberdeen, so that seems to be quite a contingent of uh Dunfermline players that have uh represented Aberdeen in and around that era. Kind of forgotten about how uh all sort of result a uh, revolving door, if you like, um, between the two clubs of that period.
1: That that probably was a lot to do with the two Jimmies. I think that was yeah. probably one of the main reasons why a lot of the lads went from Dunfermline up to up to um up to Aberdeen. I think they just so that was certainly my one of my things when I moved from the film to Aberdeen, just wanting to work with the two of them again. They, they made training going into the training ground unbelievable, like such a such a great place. Um I mean people going like these days, managers going into the building want to try and get the sort of culture right um and get everything right around about the, the training ground and make sure it's like a big family club. And that that's that's what the two of them did. They just the two two of them made you feel unbelievable as a player. And they made your family feel welcome. They made your friends feel welcome at the club, and um, I think that I think that proved right, when he was at filming and obviously went to Aberdeen and done so well as again.
3: Yeah, you so, so you mentioned um, at the end of that season, having lost the the cup final to Celtic, that was when Jimmy's and Sandy Clark as well announced that they were leaving to take over at Aberdeen. Was that quite a big shock to the dressing room when that announcement came?
1: Yeah, we didn't have a clue. I was in Spain, I think. I think I was on holiday and just. Um, I think it just read it and I don't even know if it was on a phone or read it in the press. It just um, popped up somewhere saying that Aberdeen were, were keen to get him and he, it looked like he was going to go. So, yeah, it was a big shock for the for the players, um, especially after having done so well the previous season and, and got ourselves to the final. So, but I think, as I said, I think deep down, um, he was wanting to take that next step onto, onto something bigger, which I don't think anybody at Dunfermline could have sort of blamed him for, you know.
3: So yeah, following on from the, the Jimmys and Sandy, it was, um, Davey Hay actually takes over at Dunfermline, but I think finished, things didn't go too well, or certainly not based on the highs of the, the previous season. I think Dunfermline finishing second bottom, a point ahead of Dundee, who were relegated. Early exits from the cup, uh, the cups, and then and then Europe. Was that a point where you were thinking that it might be time to move on? Uh, and then obviously you hear that the Jimmys are interested in you. Yeah. Does that just make up your mind?
1: Yeah, I think there was the the preview. I think just before um, the, the summer before when the two jimmies went, there was a little talk about it as well. And I'm not too sure if there was a bid made at all by Aberdeen to Dunfermline, but um, it was certainly something that I was keen to do the year before the two of them left. So I might have been there a year earlier if it worked out, but in the end it never happened, and I stayed. But the see for the season for me was blighted by injuries. To be fair, and I really struggled with my groins and. Um, like the previous season, we've obviously, we obviously all played in the plastic pitch. At ah, that's right, yeah. And uh, a lot of us really struggled with our groins and had hernia operations. So I that, mine sort of started off at the start. So I actually missed the, the game against the Icelandic team at McDermid. Uh, we got beat. So I played over there, felt my groin, came back. And then we, we obviously that was the game that we got changed from East End because of the plastic to um, McDermid. So we played there, get beat. And then I sort of nigg- the injury niggled away all right through the season until um, Davey Hay left. Jim Leishman took over for the last few games, but I wasn't even available for that. I needed to to get a, a hernia operation come the end of the season. So I felt that the move to Aberdeen was maybe going to come round again um, in the summer. So I felt that I needed to be right for um, if that happened. So I, I couldn't play. I, like, I generally couldn't have played. If I could have played, I'd have helped the club, but... I need to go and, and get my my hair in the operation done, which allowed me to then rehab myself through the summer and be mm. ready when I moved to, to Aberdeen.
3: Did you need much persuasion to move to Aberdeen or were you just the the lure of working the jimmies again? Was that enough to seal the deal?
1: Yeah, like a lot of, I've got a lot of fans, obviously that I a lot of mates that are Rangers fans and they were like, sure, sure, <laughs> sure you're doing the right thing. But um, nah, listen, that that never even came into my into my head at all. It was it was purely down. I knew that the size of the club. Obviously played against them loads. I enjoyed playing at Petodre when I played. Um I played with Rangers actually at Petodrey and I played with Dunfermline, obviously. So um yeah, I knew I knew the, the the club. Um I knew a few lads that were already there that had moved up before me from from Dunfermline. Um and then again, yeah, just working with the, the three, three guys again, Jim, two Jimmies and Sandy, I knew what they were all about. I thought it would fit into fit into the, the system, how they wanted to play pretty easy. So um, yeah, I think I had did I just just have a Maya would have been what would she have been 2003 so yeah she'd have been nearly two so yeah the big decision was probably like just my wife Beth and the, and the little one Maya like getting them getting them back to live up in Aberdeen I actually went through a really sticky time when I first signed probably I don't know if the fans will remember the first six months I was I didn't play well at all but I best Beth lost her dad um just before we moved up to Aberdeen pretty suddenly. So she was up she was up and down the road with, with my with my little one. So all that side of it that probably nobody else sees probably affected me more than I thought it did. Um but once I once I passed the sort of six month stage I was I felt I got settled and, and felt I did okay for the club, you know.
0: Yeah, we'll come on, I guess some of that in a minute or two. Um Barry, but just on the Jimmies again, just what was it about the two of them you think that made them such a good partnership and also that got like the very best out of players like yourself as well
1: yeah i think they just um they had the good the, the, i mean jimmy calder was definitely the bad cop, cop out of the two of them jimmy jimmy nickel was like the most enthusiastic and most positive guy you'll you'll ever meet um and sandy could come in and probably i think sandy was probably more more like contact in contact with the younger players mm-hmm. um Quite a quite a tough character as well, which obviously back in the days, like people could risk Like if you got a bollock and you just listened and got on with it, um, not too sure if you can get away with sort of that sort of stuff now in restrooms. But um, no, they just had a great connection. Jimmy Calder would, would like go after you in front of the lads, and like if you'd done something wrong, he would make sure you knew about it. But then privately, he would just pull you in the office, arm round the shoulder, like and just make you feel like. Ten feet tall, like best player that's ever been that's ever played the game. You know that was that's the sort of type he was. Um, was very very methodical against the opposition. I think. Um, I mean, video analysis wasn't massive back then, but we, I can remember doing he'd done loads of prep work on the opposition, and some sometimes the players we actually we felt at them filming in Aberdeen sometimes maybe too much and just let us go and play our game. But mm. he certainly found ways to play again. I, I said obviously you speak about the the playing against the European teams. I think he was brilliant at plotting how to, to play against certain opposition, um, and I think the players once we got into that sort of rhythm of like winning winning games, like a bit of confidence comes with winning games, um, and then yeah, we kicked on from there.
0: Absolutely. Just talk to us about those suntans as well, though. When he would come back in after pre season.
1: Yeah, you're speaking to me. I've just been on holiday by the way, and I'm looking quite tanned on the screen there. But no, Jimmy, Jimmy took it to another level. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, like unbelievable. We I mean, have actually, like, what, we actually went with, I don't think I went with Aberdeen, but certainly went with Dunfermline at the end of the season a couple of times and went to Magaluf at the end of the season. We had a few beers and that with the staff. and He would just lie in the sunbed and just cover himself <laughs> them and yeah, just lie there all day until he had to meet the lads for a pint at seven o'clock. Uh, but no, I, really just, I, was, I, I couldn't believe the colour he went. It was like mahogany, wasn't it? it was
0: I was literally the same. I remember a pre- we played a pre season game at Huntley. Yeah. Um, and Huntley's dugouts so I've got like a mahogany back to them And he was in the dress He was in Played the dugout it, White shirt And honestly He was just completely blending in It was like the Coopranol man Or something Unbelievable stuff What nah, a character yeah. though you, you end up putting pen to paper With Aberdeen on the 7th of June 2005 It's a deal that sees Aberdeen Paid on for him And a fee in the region Of about a quarter of a million Which at the time was a a pretty hefty sum for Aberdeen to be paying. We weren't paying transfer fees of any sort of note at that, at that yeah. sort of time. Um, and you end up joining the likes of Stevie Lovell, Jamie Smith, and Jamie Langfield, who all came in yeah. that summer as, as the two Jimmys were really looking to kind of kick on from what had been a good first season at Aberdeen. We'd end up in fourth position, narrowly missed out on Europe to Hibbs. Yeah. When you came in the door, can you kind of remember much about what the manager's aims were going to be for that next season?
1: I think it was. I think it was it was Europe. I think that's what we felt that we had the the players in the dressing room to um, certainly challenge for that European spot. Um, and I think in one off games over the three year period that I was there, I think in general when we came up against the old firm, we felt we could beat them. We honestly did, um, and obviously that was that was proven in the sort of my second and third season when we, we obviously beat Rangers a few couple of times at Pataudry. yeah. When we beat Celtic in the in the cup um at Parkhead after drawing at Petodry. So I think we had a group of players that were actually quite confident of on their day beating anybody. Um obviously there were slip-ups along the way. We probably weren't as consistent as the as the big two. That's probably what let us down and obviously not as consistent as Hearts when they went on the their great run and, and finished with well, did they, they finish second one year Second a, year yeah that's like right. So, um yeah we just felt we wanted to be always challenging against the teams. Um I think when Hearts had that team that finished second, there was a, i thought there was a massive rival, a rivalry between us and us and them. Yeah. Every game there was it was always needle, always needle, and like I'd always heard about. Obviously the Rangers and Aberdeen games being feisty, and obviously they're playing against Celtic as well. But I felt that period against Hearts. I think just because they had a good team as well. I think that there was always like real needle in the games. I look forward to the games. Tynecastle, I love playing it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. For you, just as well, when you first move up to, to the club, what are your kind of first impressions of the club itself when you first join up? And I guess of the city as well.
1: Yeah, I, I loved it. Obviously, the three years I was there, I absolutely loved staying up there. But I probably didn't realise, I, I felt I, um you how, how big the club was, but I probably didn't realise until you're sort of there. And then you're walking along the street just in an afternoon and or out for dinner or something. And it's like you just... You feel the intensity of it because, like, it's the only, only uh, obviously club in the city. Yeah. So um, everybody knows you. Um, you just go out for a bit of shopping, and people are speaking to you and stopping you. And, um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, as I say, after that initial period, the early part, I felt I, like played well and had a good rapport with the fans. So I fitted in really well. Um, I stayed when I first moved up. I stayed quite close to the city. Um, and then I moved myself out um at the Christmas time to West Hill. So I stayed in West Hill for two and a half years, loved it, absolutely loved it. Um and I really, I really enjoyed the city, the restaurants and good night out as well.
0: There you um, go.
4: <laughs> well
0: you've got you've got two alumni from West Hill Academy on the call you this evening as well. So there you go. Nah, there you go, <laughs> brilliant.
1: Um no good good night out, enjoyed it. Um enjoyed And I mean, uh, Jamie Smith lived in uh, West Hill as well, so we enjoyed a little pint. And is it the Broad Street? Is that still Mm
3: -hmm. there? It's still, I think it's still alive. It still exists. I don't think it's open anymore, but it does still still exist.
1: Yeah, so um, no, no, I really really enjoyed it. And obviously, as I say, that thing about not probably realising how big it was, um, but then probably realising how big it was when things are going well. Obviously, everything's but like the atmosphere is unbelievable, and then from the early part, and then obviously the couple of dodgy results that we've had, especially in the cups and stuff. Realising how like obviously fickle the fans are, and but rightly so in the in the occasions when we lost, you know. Mm.
3: So you didn't have to wait too long to make your. Competitive debut, I think we've got 30th of July 2005, Premier League opener at Tannadice, um, mm. in which uh, at that time, those games were always pretty frantic between Dundee United uh, and Aberdeen. Usually pretty good atmosphere, decent crowds. that United take an early lead through Lee Miller, who Aberdeen had been quite publicly keen yeah. to sign. Uh, and all the fans had pretty much decided that was happening until it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he scores and then yourself get uh, a nice wee equaliser drifting around the back of the United defence to... Uh, finish with a ice half volley in front of a packed shed I'm guessing that's not a bad feeling for uh, for yourself
1: yeah no I felt I, had to, well, I felt I had to sort of slowly get into pre-season because of the, the hernia operation but we went I think we went to Holland um, and I was just felt I was gradually getting up to speed just before that first game um, yeah I was desperate to play brilliant story about the first game that my uh, my brother-in-law is actually an Aberdeen fan, which is quite scary. <laughs> Glaswegian lad too, and an Aberdeen fan. So uh, Paul's an Aberdeen. So he actually went for a pie when I scored. <laughs> <laughs> he heard held the roar um, and then came running back up the stairs and asked my dad and that who'd scored and he was like, for fuck's sake, missed that. <laughs> um, yeah, he that. he missed my my debut goal for Aberdeen away getting a pie? But no um, no that that after that goal I felt that. Like that's going to settle me right down, but then I like think things off the pitch didn't mm. help um, settle down at all, and struggled for a bit after that. But no, it was an amazing feeling, like scoring in front of the shed, in front of all the Aberdeen fans going crazy. It was it was a it was a brilliant start for me.
3: Yeah, I guess just finally on that I suppose, as an attacking midfielder, or you know, a player who's probably the expectation for the fans was that you were going to chip in with a few goals. It's always nice to get one early on, and no yeah. better than your debut.
1: Yeah, no, definitely that was um that was one thing that I've um I wanted to come to Aberdeen and, and produce more goals. I actually had a good goal scoring record for, for Dunfermline as well. Yeah. So um yeah, I just wanted to come and sort of build on that really. Um sort of built my game if I was playing a midfielder, just arriving late in the box and um yeah, I think my first season at Aberdeen probably didn't score as many, but then went on and probably scored I think eight second year, something like nine, third year, something like that. So I think a midfielder if you can try and get around a bit. Eight to ten marks, not bad. So, first season, as I say, was probably the, the most disappointing when I was there. Yeah, that 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 season's a really odd one, yeah. all round. Like, it's perhaps almost
0: summed up entirely by the first two home games we have that season. The first home game, we open up with a two-one defeat at home to Kilmarnock. and then the week after, um, Jamie Smith, just touched on him there a minute ago. He's the the late hero as we beat Rangers three-two at Petardry in the sun. As a as an ex-Rangers player yourself, can you remember much about the atmosphere that day and what was it like actually being on the other side of a, a very passionate home supporter?
1: Yeah, I think, as I say earlier, I totally remember the game. Um, we scored, did Russell, Russell score earlier header. Like yeah, we're two goal. up by
0: uh, Russell and Stevie Lovell, I think. Stevie yeah.
1: Lovell, so I was, I was actually, I assisted Stevie for the goal. That's, That's right, right. Goal, yeah. But, um, like I'm the type of person, when I'm playing for a club, that it doesn't like bother me who I'm playing against. I just enjoyed the atmosphere, enjoyed the goal, celebrated like everybody else would. So um, Yeah, it was, a it was a brilliant, we were 2-0 up, they come back to two each. Yeah. Yeah, they come back to two each. Um, and then obviously Jamie scores an unbelievable finish, a, a low strike for the edge of the box later on in the game. So, um, no, an amazing, amazing atmosphere. And, and, you just spoke about it there. that was that's probably summed up the season like you lose to and then you beat rangers the and then that inconsistency the whole season probably killed us yeah and then it was the next obviously in the next two seasons that we had we got that consistency that we are able to to perform at a better level yeah because our
0: early season form as well was really not great there's we were i think we have defeats to celtic to hearts to to comarnick and then we drop points at livingston and motherwell as well i think and that just really put us on the back foot as far as try to, challenge to get a place in europe and i think you know you touched on it yourself and maybe come on that a second but it felt to me at times a number of the new players were kind of almost just taking a wee bit of time to get used to their new surroundings and level of expectations i guess like guys like stevie lovell came in with a real expectation he was going to you know replicate the the form he had at dundee where he scored goals for fun would you think that's a fair comment that there's maybe a lot of guys just really struggling just to find their feet a wee bit
1: I think so. And it's probably it's probably honestly it probably is the size of the club, but they don't realise that's that's one of the things. I think um basically the, the intensities from outside is, and the, the expectation from outside is you've got to be like the old firm, you've got to win every game. Yeah. Um and I think it takes a lot of people, uh, takes players a little bit by surprise. Um and I think once you're there a little bit, once you're around about the city a little bit longer, you probably understand and then sort of focus yourself into like make sure that we don't lose games, and I think that's what happened in the, the next two years that I was there.
0: You touched on that like your own kind of maybe um, off-field issues, I guess, is the best way to put it in your initial first kind of six months there, and that's something that you know football fans don't really get a, a much of a view into. But yeah. uh, uh, can you just give us some insight back into that? Just I mean, like for you there, you've 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 just signed uh, for a new club, um, moving up the road. You know, your wife and, and and young daughters kind of up and down the road constantly for the first kind of six months or whatever. How difficult is that? How much of a distraction is that? You know. Yeah,
1: I think, it, I think that, that was one of the things for me. I just wanted to be settled in a, in a house, in a flat or whatever, and, and settled with them. Like I loved with, with big uh, Langers for, for about four months. So maybe that has something to do with actually living with him.
0: I didn't want to say it, but you
1: know. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I loved with like, Langers and his... And his um, I, don't, I don't know if Jamie was married at that time, but Louise, his, his girlfriend, Louise, so I was in his flat, then I had my own flat. Then um yeah, best best dad passed away, unfortunately. So she was like down in Glasgow a lot of the time, then coming up, and I was trying to get her to stay up. She's like, No, I'm gonna go and see my mum. So all, all that sort of stuff. But like listen, at, at the end of the day, it's no an excuse for like not performing on the training pitch, but it does it does affect players, it definitely does. Um I just wanted to be settled and have my family up the road with me and um and make the most of it up in Aberdeen. So yeah, difficult period. But then once that sort of period sort of Drifted away and we got our own place and they were up like hundred uh, yeah. percent full time. It just comes, it just comes you down. It's just like your 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 home life's important and um, yeah. From then on, it was I think from just after that, uh, just before that. Sorry, Beth came up and we got our house and then we played Dundee United at Tannadice in the Scottish Cup and I scored in the last minute and that that honestly, genuinely from that minute. That changed my Aberdeen career for me.
0: Yeah, let's just talk about that goal. I was literally—it's like you've read our mind. But we're just about yeah. to talk about it. It's one of the more memorable games of that season. Actually, is the game at Dice. Um, third round of the Scottish Cup. United go in a two-goal lead before the break. I mean, we were in the shed that day, Graham. There are people leaving at halftime. I never understand why you would do we this. Hopeless.
1: We were absolutely hopeless for half.
0: The first half was terrible. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then suddenly. Two goals from Stevie Crawford against his former side. He just moved to Aberdeen from United uh, in the summer as well. And then with two minutes remaining, a nice little move, sees the ball fall nicely onto an on-rushing Barry Nicholson. Your finish is perfectly measured to send the away end into absolute bedlam. I think I ended up about five rows away from where I started. As you're running onto that ball, just what's going through your mind?
1: Yeah, well, um, I think I think St- was Stilly in goals as well. I think Stilly was in goals as well. He
0: was because he dropped one, didn't he? Yeah,
1: he dropped one to the Cro, Yeah, so I was Crov. Obviously played with Stilly and um, at Dunfermline as well. So it was nice to nice to put one past him, but no <laughs> uh, like I've seen the go back of um, I think I don't know if it's I don't know, is it, it Daz Mackie that plays one little one round the corner. It might be Daz. I think it's Fro- I think Fozzie plays one into Daz, who he just flicks it round the corner. It's just one of those ones. that's like just the hit first time perfect. So. Yeah, just side foot slotted it and it was um, yeah an amazing feeling again, obviously that, that end with all the Aberdeen fans and um, yeah, I remember running the corner a little knee slide celebration which is uh, not, not something that I do very regular but um, no, I enjoyed it it was very good
0: Richie Byrne Corner as we christened it now because he's, he set up the first two yeah, from did, that yeah, corner yeah, he yeah. turned into a marauding Cafu for the afternoon as I recall Yeah, so.
1: yeah. Richie is a brilliant character absolutely brilliant character obviously a a year or two at the film with, with Richie as well. Then he moved up. So yeah, but uh, uh, like they lads, uh, Richie Byrne, uh, Gary Dempsey, um yeah, real, real good characters, like brilliant people in the dressing room. Like keep it, keep it going. You know, I was like uh, you
0: think that was something that Jimmy really tried to foster. Like I, I don't. I, this is going to sound really harsh, and I don't mean it to. But guys like Richie Byrne, Gary Dempsey, and that they were not. They, they weren't the greatest footballers on the planet. Yeah. Gary Dempsey was pretty handy, actually. To be fair, just didn't yeah. have that pace. But they were almost there because they were good lads, and the, you, you could get that dressing room atmosphere going.
1: Yeah, to be fair, I think it's important. I still, I still think like teams do it now, like away from like the elite. Probably, I think there's it's still there's still it's still a massive part to to playing in football for me. Oh. I think you've got a dressing room where everybody gets on. You've got an absolute chance if everybody is in that dressing room. They get on with each other. They have a laugh together. But they work so hard on the training pitch and on the pitch for each other then i think it's half the battle honestly i think i really do yeah um, and and gary and then richie were probably two guys that jimmy Caldwell felt he could trust yeah. in, the, in the dressing room and on the pitch Um that's why managers go and sign like players wherever they go it still happens to, to this day so um but no we'd have, we'd have a magic dressing room in aberdeen like brilliant brilliant guys like i can't, I can't it's, it's impossible to just like name a few because honestly Everybody was brilliant Everybody All the lads were brilliant
0: Yeah Everyone we've spoken to Who's been in that dressing room Has said exactly the same thing Yeah um, Even guys like, like Lee Miller Who you have a particular Idea about How he will be And then you get to talk to him And you understand Like how he viewed His role in the dressing room And stuff yeah. And you're like You can just imagine That that would have been Just a dressing room That was just You know Absolute madness I imagine at the best Yeah no wasn't. it
1: wasn't like, was Every single day There was something going on Like I, I'm not, I think every single day that i was there for the three years every it was one person put a cup on top of the door and somebody got soaked every every day like um, that's it's like the worst part of ever the worst part ever but like every single day that happened and it probably it's probably probably mackie done it every day 100%, <laughs> That's probably um but no i think because i was a, i was what was i 20 27 when i went so i was a little bit older than like some of them when i was there so i did get on probably a little bit better with, like, your likes of Russell, Seve, Clarkie, uh, Mikey Hart, and Smitty and Jamie. That probably... <laughs> in fact, it's hard, it's hard to say because I got... I mean, I got on brilliant with Chrissy Maguire. Yeah, OK. Chrissy, Maguire, Chrissy Maguire's polar opposite <laughs> But I loved the wee man. I absolutely loved him when he came into the team. Chrissy, I, like... A lot, like he would rub a lot of the younger... The, sorry, he rub a lot of the older ones up a little bit the wrong way. Um but I loved how he backed himself as a player. Like he was a cocky little shit. Yeah. So, and he, but he, but he could produce. He could absolutely produce. So that's that's why I liked him. I really liked him. So just
3: to sort of finalise that Tanadice game, you, you mentioned yourself that you felt that goal. You know, and then your your Aberdeen career change. Was there any? Or was that just a sort of you turn around that uh, and away cup fixture? You get to score. Family life's all coming together. Was it just sort of a combination of everything seemingly falling into place, and then you were good to go?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that just that goal gave me confidence, and then let's say away from the pitch, settled. And um, I genuinely—I want to say—I genuinely felt that that moment there just like changed, and I was going into training like confident, felt super fit, Um, and I felt I felt from that moment I felt I felt the season finished the season pretty strongly and played well, and couldn't wait for that season to finish and then get like right into the pre-season and be ready for the next season. Yeah, so just to sum up that
3: season, I think we we end up in the sixth spot. Uh, yourself, you make 38 appearances in total, scoring four. And uh, You've probably kind of answered this already, but I'm guessing your focus was then just keeping your place uh, and kicking on so that you were ready for the next campaign.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's quite like, I think we felt that we'd let ourselves down a little bit, um, finishing sixth. That was a disappointing finish for us, so... I think everybody went away in the summer just for a real focus of like staying fit over the summer period and then coming back in pre season and and hitting the ground running. Um and I think there was a there was a couple of signings that came in this summer. Is that is that seen the next season? Was that when the did, 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 did Jeffrey sign that year? Devisha did he sign the next summer? Uh, he was the season or after that. It?
0: He was the season after that? that. Yeah. This right. season, we'd have seen. I mean, this is the season that like, like, Salim Miller came in, Kareem Tuzani right. would
1: have come in. Yeah. Kareem, I knew Kareem signed, yeah. Um, these kind of boys. Right, okay. Yeah, I remember just a few of the names getting thrown around, and it was like, right, if we can add a little bit of quality, then we're, and we just get our consistency sorted. I think that was the biggest word that Jimmy used the next pre season was about consistency. Oh. Um, and again, we just felt that we had people in the dressing room that on their day could turn up and be oh. anybody. So. Um, that was that was the feeling.
3: So the the next campaign in terms of the, the league was a, was a big improvement. But before we get to that, this being an Aberdeen podcast and us being Aberdonians, we've got to be doer and bring the tone down a little bit. Yeah. So uh, luckily or, unluck- luckily or unluckily for you, you are the first person we've spoken to that played in the League Cup exit to Queen's Park on penalties. So it was There's just no one who that-
1: wanted to come on and speak about that. Is that
3: I'll rephrase it. You're the only one brave enough. To come on and have a chat to us, I was just wondering, what do you put that one down to? Is that just one of those nights? I mean, these things do
1: happen. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that, that's one of the games you want to just absolutely erase from the memory. But um, I mean, we got a lot of stick for the performance, but we must we missed chances. Simple as that. We missed chances and should have won the game. But the yeah, listen, fans don't see that, and then we we get beaten penalties. So. Um, I don't think we deserve to get knocked out, but at the end of the day, you've just got to front it up and face it and take the brunt of that. And that's probably one of those ones where you're then you're back in the city and you're getting absolute pelters for a couple of weeks, but at the end of the day, we got beat off, off, um, off was it Queen's party? Yeah, Queen's party? Yeah, Queen's so. party. yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those ones you just got to take it on the chin and, and move on. Um, Remember, what was the gaffer's reaction to that one in the dressing room? Like? Absolutely mental, yeah, mental. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just probably called us bottle merchants, and <laughs> um, I think he was. I think he knew, and I think the players knew. I think he knew that he had a group of players there that were capable of going, like, to win a cup. Yeah, to cup finals and semi-finals and finals and win cups. So I think that was the biggest disappointment that <clears throat> we let ourselves down. Simple as that. Um, and then he probably, obviously, as the manager takes a massive brunt of that. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The league form. So that season is really strong. You just touched on it. Consistency is absolutely the, the key word here. We end up going to Tyne Castle on the 6th of May, looking to avoid defeat against our nearest challengers for third place and a return to Europe. Um, Hearts take the lead on forty minutes again. I remember this so well, sitting up in the stand at Tyne Castle. Uh, future Dons alumni, Andreas Velichka. Less about him, the better, I think we'll say. As time looked to be running out, though, good work by Jamie Smith and father time himself Craig Brewster is tearing up the right wing flash the ball across goal you just about manage to stick your right boot on it to smash it high at the the top of the net cue more bedlam in the away end now before we get to the celebrations themselves because obviously they're important but as that ball's bobbling across the box and it seems to take forever to make its way across that box are you just worried it's just gonna get past you and what makes you decide to go with the wrong foot for it?
1: I know, like, I, I get asked this question a lot about this goal and it's weird because if, like, if I'm, like, I'm a coach now and if, so that's coming and now I'm saying, like, please don't go away with your next foot. But no, it was, yeah, I remember the goal. I remember Jamie getting on the, on the turn and I, I actually just went, ah, stuff, I'm taking off here. I think at the time, I, th- I can't remember who was actually on the pitch at the time, but I remember being playing a little bit deeper on the pitch. I think I was playing a little bit deeper in midfield um, I don't know if Sevi was playing at the back, I don't know if Sevi was at the back, I can't remember, anyway, but I was playing a little bit deeper, but then as soon as Jamie turned, I was like, ah, I'm off here, I'm going, so I just thought, get in the box, and then obviously Bruce uh, Cross, they did it bobbled about 20 times before it reached me at the back post, and um, I think I, I actually think Craig, I thought Craig Gordon didn't think I was going to reach it, I think he sort of, that's why he didn't dive in it, he sort of let it go a little bit before thinking, shit, I'm, I'm going to get it, so, yeah. Um, and then managed to get a, the outside of my right boot it and, and put it in. Brilliant feeling. Brilliant.
3: At what point, though, did it hit you that taking your shirt off in celebration might not have been the best idea, given that you'd been booked a couple of minutes before, or did it not even into your thinking?
1: It, it, I took. I it went to take it off, and then thought, like, right away, I was like, oh, shit, I've just been booked. <laughs> and By the way, the referee did come in the dressing room before that game and tell us, um, don't, he says, no running towards the away fans, if you score... And seriously, lads were being told anybody that takes their shirt off is going to get a hit of the car. <laughs> so um, but there is a story about that as well. Cause it was coming up towards the end of the season, it was about six weeks to go before well, it was six weeks to go before the end of the season. I remember all the all the lads were piling in the gym, and it was like, ah fucking you know, hell, summer's coming, everybody's getting like getting like extra weights <laughs> done for the, the summer bodies and that. And then somebody was saying, Yeah, fucking somebody score, get the guns out and all. And and that's what honestly it stuck in my head. Like if somebody scores in this game, getting but I'd obviously just forgot that. It, um, I'd actually took a little bit of revenge on the boy Kingston. Is it Larry King? Larry of Kingston. Yeah, you absolutely smash him. Yeah, I smashed him. So I, 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 I he done me at Petodri a couple of times, and I was thinking, <laughs> right, I'm going to nail him. So I I got him one, got my yellow card, but then obviously scored and got my second one. And it was when that like, I was trying to get it back on, and Mackie was lying lying on top of me. I was struggling to get it back on, but I, yeah, I thought he was going to get let me get away with it because of like. How important the goal was and the stage of the game and that, but no, he wasn't having it. Brian Winter won it. Brian Winter, right? Brian Winter,
0: that's the one. Yeah,
1: always remember him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it, for me, though, it, it is the comical part. Even now,
0: watching it back, is like the moment of oh shit, and yeah. then you've got like half the team trying to like cover
1: you up to let you try back and
2: put on the ball back on <laughs> <laughs> exactly like, you don't have enough room to do it absolutely
1: brilliant yeah. stuff brilliant no it was good. But I literally sat in the in the, uh, there was a little sort of I think it would have been the boot room at Tynecastle, Castle and it had the screen where they were doing the interviews after the game and the game was on and I was shitting myself that they were going to score like absolutely like, see if they'd have scored Jimmy would have went oh wow but um, no it, what was it I think there was about three three minutes of injury time so I I sat in that little room just praying the lads were going to see it through.
3: So um just sort of finally on that, any idea of what it was with you and big goals in front of the away support for Aberdeen? Because that's quite a few that we've touched on already. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know what I don't know what it was. Um I've got a good record against Craig Gordon. Um so that was like another goal against him. So I've actually got a good record against him. Um yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, Dundee United Hearts. So there's a few. Got a good record against Kilmarnock for both Dunfermline and uh, Aberdeen as well. Scored a few against Kelly, but yeah, no. Listen, it, but as I say before, like that was part of the the reason why I wanted to to come to the club and yeah. play in big games, play against played in front of bigger crowds and, and and add more goals to my game. So every time I could get in that box, I tried. It was
0: a uh, it was a great last five minutes at Ten That's for sure. The the first eighty five minutes wasn't too good, but that last five minutes was was enjoyable. Um, I can yeah. tell you that for now. Yeah. How much stick did you get off? Called with though Nickel and your teammates for that second booking.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think the biggest thing was that I was I missed the game at Parkhead the week after. So i had yeah. like a one game man, so I missed the Celtic game. Um obviously luckily enough came back for the, the, the Rangers game at Petodre. So um yeah, like that more the ladder. Jimmy was just like, like fucking like I didn't fucking idea what you're doing sort of thing. But it was mainly the lads. The lads were just fucking taking the piss for weeks. Um but no, Jimmy was just said what are you are and I think I he, I think he came out in the press and actually said that the referee should have sort of taken the situation into yeah. consideration and uh, rules are rules I suppose, uh, suppose but no it was worth it <laughs>
3: <laughs> So uh, as you mentioned that that did mean that you missed the following week's visit to Parkhead but you were straight back in the starting lineup for the last game of the season which was another been uh, another big game at home to Rangers knowing that uh, if we won then we'd secure our return to Europe so atmosphere around Patoja that afternoon was superb. It was a really good team performance. Goals from Scott Severin and Steve Lovell enough to secure the win. Uh, both goals, really good goals. Yeah. I think Seves in particular it was a real moment of quality. You struck up a really good relationship with Scott uh, in the centre of the park during your time with the club. What was it about your
1: respective games that meant your partnership was so effective? Um, yeah, I just think he... We just complimented each other, really. I was a little bit more for, like forward thinking, as in running forward, where Scott was a little bit more like build up from the back and getting on it and sort of making like ticking things over, really, and getting getting us started. And he had a brilliant passing range, uh, Sevi. So sometimes I played on the right hand side and he would he just open up from the left, he got it, and he just ping one out there to the right hand side for how I was playing out there as well, sometimes myself. Um, but no, and we got on well off the pitch as well, so that helps. I think, um, as I said, all all the ones that I spoke about earlier and, and the rest of the lads. But yeah, me and Seve got on brilliant um, away from the pitch. Um, I think we'd been together in a couple of Scotland squads as well, like previously, so we knew each other. Um, yeah, just I thought we, I thought our both our games like just were probably a little bit different, which complemented the the two of us playing uh, in midfield along, alongside each other. Um, yeah, I've, got a, I've got a brilliant story about Seve. Brilliant story. I'll tell you what I, I we're, allowed, we're allowed to do this, aren't we? Surely.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. This is uh, this is what Scott Severn gets for not responding to my emails.
1: Yeah, well, listen, you. Oh, this was this was a brilliant. Night. brilliant night. Um We went to a, a Player of the Year. Too, and it was a, I think it was a Player of the Year? Some, it was some charity dinner and it was a black tie, proper black tie event. And we were there with the wives. And. Um, we, we, me and Seve were the only two. There was bottles of red wine all over the table, but <laughs> me and Seve were the only two drinking the the red wine. So we try to get somebody else to drink it, and they were like, nah nah So honestly, I don't know how many bottles we got through by the end of the night. And then for the two of us, for like well on. And then you yeah, know, seen him eating chewing gum, and I was like that. <laughs> I said, "He's like, chewing gum," and he's like, "I've not got any," and he just went like that <laughs> and pulled this big string of chewing gum out his mouth into mine and the two of us are like Lady and the Tramp <laughs> and the two wives are just on like that looking going
4: what the fuck
1: so um, yeah so we're closer than you think actually <laughs> who's Lady and who's Tramp well I don't know I'll, I'll let you decide that it's not for me to say is it it's not for me mm-hmm. to say um, no I, I like a, a, a brilliant I got on brilliant so, so I, it's actually somebody that when I left at Aberdeen I, I kept in regular contact but Recently, so, uh, so, not so much recently, so I need to try and get back in touch with him again. Well,
0: you should do that, and you can put in a good word for us. god, on. There we go, that's it. Um, watching that go back, I watched the go back again just a, a couple of days ago, actually, just when I was going back through kind of research for tonight. And um, the celebrations, you're, for Seve's goal in particular, you're one of the guys who are really, really giving it big licks, really rallying the crowd up. And um, we touched on this earlier on, but I kind of want to bring it up again, because I feel it's kind of pertinent now Given some recent things that have happened at at, at Aberdeen. Um so you you're a boyhood Rangers fan. Could Rangers win the league that day? I can't remember.
1: Could they have, um, if the results had gone a certain way? Uh no, I think that was was that the was, season after? Season after Celtic were at Tanadice and we beat them at Bybrox on it. Anyway. You know, I mean, sorry, I mean. sorry again, sorry.
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway, though, I mean that goal goes in. You're celebrating that like you're an Aberdeen fan through and through. As a professional player, and this is something I kind of really want to just elaborate on a little bit further, when you when you step across the touchline, all allegiances you've got about who you might have had or may have once supported or whatever, they all go out the window, don't they? You just want to win at all costs, no matter. Yeah, what.
1: I, th- I think so. I've never been one of those ones that like would score against a uh, like a like a previous team and not celebrate. I don't think. I don't. I don't think I would do that. Um, like I remember. A goal at East End Park where I I actually crossed it for Craw for like a goal for Aberdeen, and I was running full pelt towards the Dunfermline fans and just got there. But as I've crossed it, my momentum's taking me over the advertising boards, nearly into the stand behind the goal. Cross scored and I'm standing in front of them like my arms up in there (laughs) So I'm like, then like shit, (laughs) they turn away. But like I would never, I would never not. Like celebrate a goal that whoever I was playing with, no chance, yeah. no chance. Even if it was me,
0: like I even mean, if it was me that scored it I would, I'd still celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. If you do that now, though, you'll get probably sent to the stand by Bobby Madden if you yeah. get too close to the. uh
1: Speaking coming, of which, coming Bobby's coming down here now, didn't
0: he? I was just a way to say. I just realised he's he's League One, League Two next season, isn't he? Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, maybe see Bobby. Yeah, we'll come on. Interesting. Uh, yeah,
0: we'll come on to <laughs> Fleetwood within a minute or two. Um. That two 0 no win though, finishes finish the season third spot. We get qualification to the UEFA Cup for next season. Presumably that was a enjoyable evening of celebrations around
1: Aberdeen. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that was a mad night as well. Yeah, I was actually had friends up for for Glasgow, and then actually went out for a. I'm sure I went for dinner first. Um, so we had a few beers after the game. Then I went out with my friends, but then quickly met up with the lads. I just had I just had the wee man, Yeah, I think i just had Noah. Um the wife wasn't feeling great, so she went home. <laughs> so um we ended up in Seoul Casino, the large yeah. Um all of us, yeah, the whole group. Um and I think bro, it was it was early Sunday morning before it like it was light anyway. It's like uh, yeah, I think about half six Sunday morning I made it home to West oh, still. So it was um it was a really good night. They were just sitting, sitting at the casino table, just chatting like champagne. It was brilliant.
0: It was a, it was a brilliant night. And so, that wraps up a fairly shambolic episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow, or whatever on your podcast player of choice. If you enjoyed that particular brand of nonsense, join us next week for episode 57, where we look <laughs> fucking hell. How have we got to 57 of this? How?
3: Bearing in mind, it's also not just 57 with all the minutes. I know. Anyway. It is quite quite incredible that Well, not so much that we can tolerate doing it Because we're always talking shite to each other But <laughs> people are actually hanging in with this All
0: we've done is just hit record and like you know hope for the fucking best Anyway, um, join us next week for episode 57 <laughs> Where we'll review our SPFL Premiership clash with Motherwell Before, oh, fucking hell, if you enjoyed Nonsense Wait to see what's coming next week Before we turn our attention to our first trip to Perth This campaign in the company of the Dogger Saints yep they're back (laughs) and we'll bring you part two of our chat with Barry Nicholson if timing allows the last time we spoke to the Saints boys that went a long time and who knows how that'll go because we've got shit to talk about so anyway there we go we look forward to seeing you then stand free This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest
1: bus stop, taking supporters to Taudry Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you rats.